0: Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brutzon.
1: Hello folks, welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, it's a show about weirdos, doggone it. My name is John Boy. It is John Boy time. I am the COVID kid. I am COVID barely 18. My name is John Fahey, your host, joining me as ever. Doctors hate this geyser. It's Aaron Joseph Peter.
2: Doctors hate this goozer. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one simple Trick. <laughs>
1: Got one to simple to logging in. One simple thing.
2: It's a banned African ritual.
1: It's a swamp thing. Oh God, get it. It's a swamp. It's a, yeah. It's a swamp right.
2: It's a swamp thing. It's a salt life. <laughs> uh, I'm the daddy of the Mac Daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh. What's up, Matt?
1: Hi, <laughs> to your right, my left, handsome Matt Brousseau. Oh, hi there. How are you? I feel like a goddamn goof. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> you look crazy, too. Yeah, yeah. That's me, like, wild man. Yeah. 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 You look, you look really nuts, man. Yeah. Yeah. The you good good facial. B- bad facial <laughs> goes a long way. Yeah. We watched the opening of this Nurse Ratchet thing, and the, the head. There's a guy that kills like a bunch of priests in the beginning, very beginning. Oh, Batman. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then it goes. uh the headline the headline for the paper goes, question mark after this, priest killer nuts?o <laughs> It's like Jacko Wacko. How about this on his Pri- back? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> priest killer perfectly sane. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, of course he's nuts.o <laughs> Lone gunman hmm. have friends? <laughs> Aaron. Hey. Um, I was going to do our, uh, a little tasty piece For our friend Kim Frazier But I'm, you got a long one So I'm going to postpone that Thank you, Kim Is it uh, thick, though? It's, uh,
2: that's, yeah, it's It's a thicky It's, it's substantial and
1: it's, and it's, it's a sicky. <laughs> and it's a thicky But Kim Kim,
2: we will, we will get to it We will it, We it, do it,
1: love you It's a little treat and um, just i uh, just stay on that hook a little longer, partner. Uh, we're coming <laughs> to take Harry. Air. Oh, oh, God. The worm's about to slip. Now, would you mind doing me a favor and giving just maybe the
2: briefest uh, little recap on where we left off? Right. That's exactly what I'm going to do, John. Um, mm. So when we last uh, were with... Because uh, I told you to. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're already cutting him off. I know. I'm sorry. I'm stopping. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Will you shut up, man?
3: <laughs> I'm talking. I'm
2: talking. Uh, so when we were last with Slim, uh, he had burned his bottom woman, uh, and uh, he heard the feds were on to him from his good uh, mentor, Baby Bell. Um, he went into hiding uh, in his in his little his little room, and then. um He went out to go score some heroin, Mm -hmm. and he got caught. He got picked up.
1: Yeah, happens to best of us.
2: Just stayed in the room, right?
1: Now where's party time?
2: (laughs) Oh, party time! I think died. Really? Yeah, I think. Well, well, he's dead now. Party's over. Um, he didn't open up a party city or no, or Halloween town or nothing like that. Uh, he got caught and he got arrested and he went to. He went to Cook County Jail, and he was arrested for violating the Mann Act. the Mann Act is also known as the White Slavery Act, and it's basically transporting uh, people across state lines for... uh, Purposes. purposes, Yeah, nefarious purposes of prostitution and sexual impropriety. Sure, sure. So he's sent to Cook County Jail, and it's basically... It's an overcrowded lockup of drug addicts and pickpockets and homeless men serving short sentences. And... um, this is a a real shithole as he's he's basically he's waiting for like arraignment and and eventually trial at this cook county lockup six by ten foot cells um and he says that the the tiny cell was too small for two men and there were eight of us in it. Jesus Christ. I was lying on the concrete floor. My cellmates were bums and junkies. Two of them were getting sick and puking all over.
1: <laughs> the bums were stinking
2: almost as bad as the junkies. Mm. A drunk lying beside me dug his fingernails into his scalp and crotch over and over again. Oh, Whoa. Christ almighty. So he's in, he's, he's in this lockup for violating the manic, right? <laughs> he's also wanted by the U.S. Marshals for failure to update his address of record for the draft.
3: Whoa. Because this
2: is, you know, this is the uh, the 40s. This is the 40s now. Uh, World War II is going on. So he makes a deal with the Attorney General of Wisconsin uh, that would uh, allow, the draft evasion charges would be dropped um, if he pleads guilty to the Mann Act violation and they would pursue a light sentence for him if he if he pleads guilty to that. Because he he otherwise would, for just the Mann Act violation, be up for five to ten years um so he borrows some money from his mother's new husband ural beck uh and he posts bail and he so he posts bail because now he's buying some time until his his trial he goes straight back to the streets to try and muster up some cash um to pay for a lawyer to work and uh but i think if i think in four months he maybe like turned three tricks or something like that. Didn't he's like mm-hmm. I think people just didn't want to work for a pimp where they knew the money was gonna go just to like paying off his his bail and no mm-hmm. go you know, to go to grocery and they just knew he was burned yeah you know he's just they're watching and they're like, you're not gonna work for him mm. so um he has his his trial and he's sentenced to eighteen months at Leavenworth yikes federal penitentiary in Kansas and this is also known as the hot house. It's this is tourists, like yeah.
1: Carl room
2: Yeah, Leavenworth is heavy duty federal, federal,
1: federal prison. Yeah, yeah
2: I mean the walls go f- twenty feet up and forty feet down under the ground. Yeah, solid concrete, so you can't even like can even dig your way out. Yeah, you gotta go all the way to China. <laughs> China. China. Um, there is uh, you. There are there are no exits. Like you can't see any exits from from the from uh, with the prisoners area um all you can see looking up is endless K- kansas sky it's kind of madness inducing hmm. um and they have these like cathedral windows that the sun beams in and that's why they call the hot house because it just has. there's no ventilation in the in the like in all the cell blocks hmm. so the air just stagnates and that's why it's called the hot house because it gets this greenhouse effect there yeah,
3: i'm sure it has no negative mental effects none at all no. whatsoever none
2: um so then he's got like, you know, they put you in quarantine first and then they do like the, you know, your medical exams and then your psychological eval. He gets a contrary to what he says in Pimp, where he says he has 175 IQ, he gets 105 on the, on his, on his IQ test, which wow. is, you know, slightly above average. Um, he lies to, he lies about a bunch of shit on all of his like official, um, Admission records and stuff like that. He lies to his shrink during his entrance exam. He says he graduated high school hmm. and he studied agriculture at Tuskegee Institute. And it said the, after he graduated from there, he worked as a salesman of fine women's hosiery, mm. a, a hotel clerk, <clears throat> a singer, a nightclub dancer, and magician.
3: Wow. Well, you know, uno- unofficially, you know, amateur. Yeah, I
2: mean, I'm an amateur yeah. prestidigitation enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and, uh, he said that, like, the, this prison was full of just, like, all sorts of dangerous motherfuckers. Uh, and they all, like, this is also during the time of segregation. So, they're not only segregated by race, but they also segregate into, like, different cliques. Like, yeah. Like, the fucking... Murder.
3: 105 IQs. <laughs>
1: yeah. But you mean, like, you mean, like, uh, gangs? Yeah, or, gangs. Yeah.
2: Um mostly so he segregated in the d block where the other black men are he says mostly pimps drug dealers and stick up men and um he said that uh you know because then you have like yard time after after you're in your cell block you know with your
1: i love yard time <laughs>
2: <laughs> yard time
3: <laughs> you don't get enough of it um, no he
2: said that during you know once when in all the integrated time uh he said the most dangerous groups was the, su- the southern cons and they hated negroes he says Wait, wait! Are, are southern whites, southern blacks, southern whites. Okay. Yeah. I. During this time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he said that it's just like a lot of in, like just it was just really fucked up, <laughs> and he's in his twenties now. <clears throat> um, the rivalries are sometimes over sexual partners. Fellas, mm. uh, hmm. he, he, fellas, he's ready. <laughs> I don't want to see two shivs in his. Face. <laughs> Um, one you of his can't friends have him. <laughs> I want him. He's mine. One of his friends. I'm dangerous. <laughs> one of his friends in the in the joint named Doll Baby. Oh, <laughs> come on! You can't fuck Doll Baby. You can't call it. <laughs> you don't like Doll Baby. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's a problem. Stole a quote: lanky white boy with watery blue eyes and bleached corn silk hair from a jealous white con from Mississippi.
3: <laughs> uh oh. Oh, he was nearly trouble. stabbed
2: to death. <laughs> <laughs> he was stabbed to death. Nearly, he watched like this was in the hundreds of of men packed around like the action, just kind of like crowding everybody out and keeping like the guards the away. The COs, from yeah. And uh, all he saw was Dahl throw up his hands and screamed. And he, the guy, sh- you know, shoved him uh, like fucking fifteen times. And he said blood was gushing from his mouth and out of the holes in his prison uniform. Oh god. And he, he said he barely he barely survived. Wow. Um
1: And what happened to the to cornfed? Uh...
2: Oh, I think he was just fucking getting reamed. Um, <laughs>
1: prison inside the prison.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think everybody probably wanted to fuck him after that.
3: Oh which, yeah, yeah. And he I really
2: like killed the
1: guy because no, of this sweet, sweet doll sweet. baby almost died to fuck you. Finally, know his worth. Yeah, he's probably trading at like several cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. That's, the stock That's, that's mark, funny. Crazy. You should
2: mention that. Funny. <laughs> uh, so he tries to keep his head down um, because of this, and, and you know he would get really lonely. Too, you know And he um, He would consider, you know Think about it Yeah, because I suck the fucking thing. There, there were uh, According to his <laughs> His account uh, There were half a dozen cells Or two packs of butts Cigarette Could summon a pink puckered anus To press eagerly against the bars For a guy's blood swollen organ to Get out. out Two uh, two packs? Two packs of cigs for a Now guy. that's I mean a couple of cheeks? cheeks Yeah A couple puckered cheeks Ugh for your and, blood swollen organ? And this organ? thing's pink. That's right. You promise? Yep.
1: I mean, that's cheap. Uh, I mean, we're yeah. talking about bussy here. Scout's on <laughs> on and him, next week, we got the bussy boss on the show, Ooh. Joe K. <laughs> oh, boy. Now I understand you're the bussy boss. Now Is I that right? he's got
2: a wet ass pussy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's nice.
2: Um, instead of, uh, according to his account, instead of the pink puckered anus, he would close my eyes and flog my monster.
1: Hmm. He never yeah. went for it.
2: No, that's what he says. He never went for it. Um, but he, chan- he he channeled this energy into into reading and studying, and you know, in his previous prison bits, he would he'd, he read a lot of fiction. I told you about. He read um picture Dorian Gray and stuff yeah. like that. Um, he uh, he took a class. He took some inter- independent uh, courses from his cell and, and, and an in person class on uh, called Human Problems. He had weekly therapy sessions with his shrink, Doctor Crumb Beagle. Crumbeagle, Crumbeagle, yeah. Mm. Uh, Doctor Crumbeagle was um, hmm. taken
1: seriously by everyone. That's yeah, right. Ah, yes, he's Crumbeagle.
2: He uh, he was a it was a um, of the Freudian discipline, mm. and um, <laughs> and he be- he believed that pimps, especially black pimps, had unresolved issues with their mothers, which I asked you about in the first episode. That's right. Yes, and so I mean, but Slim did make some breakthroughs with him on this. Really? Yeah. Um, he was initially skeptical. About um, all the unconscious drives and, you know, the, these these motivators that, that you read about in, in Freud. Um, but the doctor gave him a copy of The Human Mind by Carl Menninger. And that came out just a few years prior to this. Hmm. Uh, and, it, and that convinced him. Yeah, it, because in it he said, um, criminals are only slightly different than normal people due to traumatic experiences in their past. Yes. And this really resonated with him. And so he kind of, he got really into... Psychi- psychiatry Psychology psych- Psychoneurosis And, and studying yeah. this Well in, in In its own way
1: too The, the uh, Skepticism of it Is Is so understandable Because it's a narrative mm-hmm. And the pimps Always make a narrative Yeah I know You're trying, that, you're trying to Pimp me
2: bullshit. with some, yeah, you're trying to Tell right. me some trying to, You're trying
1: to get pimped And you're saying like Oh it's, it's all because of my mom And you're showing me And blah 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 So yeah uh, i would have i would have a healthy skepticism mm-hmm. of that too
3: and, so,
2: and you're in prison and it's a white guy and like yeah. just, it's all bullshit you know yeah you've yeah. always
3: been told that you're this knowing that you're not that um but also at the same time I'm sure he recognized similar patterns between
2: it all started to click for him yeah and he's I mean he really he was a voracious reader um at this time and he uh it helped him get through this time in prison yeah uh, and it transformed his concept of pimping entirely. Hmm. So, I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he, he knew he was going to get out of it. He's a learned pimp. Yeah. Right. Um. He would do this. That he would. Um. <laughs> he would learn what he used, or he would use what he learned. Uh. Later, once he got out, he would use something called the mama rundown. And this uh, is a
3: Krumberger... Crumbiegel special,
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it, iceberg Crumbiegel
3: <laughs> <laughs> theory of pimping.
2: Um, this is a Crumbberg so collab. You know, it would help him get. He pitched Watch this story. The <laughs> he pinched this story and get simping, right. So he would say, "To uh, he would say, uh, <laughs> you know, the effect was to show the roots of his own pain to a prospective prostitute." Um, respect and uh, so he would say you know (laughs) my dad and mama fought like pit bulldogs one early bright he pranced home stone broke with his fly fouled with cum, his mustache starched with cunt juice oh he beat the puking living crap out of mama he bounced me off a tenement wall to close his act he split with a cardboard suitcase and his pearl gray splats fashioned in the zero win and so he would talk about his mother keeping him alive
3: mm.
2: um you know by going door to door doing hairstyle jobs and stuff like yeah. that. and then um
1: then yeah I like that you lean a little towards doing the impression of the <laughs> way he actually sounds uh, it's like well I'm
2: doing my the, mom I'm doing my, the audio yeah, version, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of doing with the guy in the my audio mama book
1: had version. me like chris christie with covid <laughs> hooked up to a vending machine <laughs>
2: <laughs> dr pepper was making his rounds. <laughs> <rant laughs> <just. laughs>
1: everybody was on the game (laughs) um his audio shit is like (laughs) it's like deliberate punctuation of certain things like he's got he does like a a very smooth it's very jazz
3: i would say of course i imagine when he's he's reading some of the quotes too it's probably
2: so you know he would tell this story to to, he would use the mama run down and then in talking about his trip to rockford and when she met uh you know um Henry and how, how he loved Henry and how Steve came and ruined it all. Steve. And all, Steve. <laughs> and, um, and that is also how he starts the book. With that? He starts the book. He starts with mama. Well, he starts with, I, I was forced to eat pussy at three years old. Yeah. And then, the yeah, my dad threw me against the wall. And right. then, you know, she found another guy. And he, I mean, so he's pimping the reader in the beginning of his own book with yeah. things that he learned in prison that yeah. he used on prostitutes later. To elicit sympathy. Um, and then, you know, you find out that through records from Leavenworth, you find out that he might have, might have lied about his non-existent relationship with his father after this. Because prison records show that he had actually reached out to prison officials when he was up for parole. and um, Or they reached out to him and he responded back via correspondence um, because he had offered up his place um, to stay while he was out on parole. Really? Yeah, and there were records, you know, like letters between like the warden and the psychiatrist about like you know this may be a good thing for him to be with a you know strong figure, all that stuff to make his transition into the real world. No shit. It seems like his dad later on in life was not totally absent because he's totally after the beginning. He's pretty much left out of the book until the very end, where there's like one last scene. Right. Uh, With him, which may have never even
1: happened. Were they playing catch in a cornfield?
2: Oh, yeah. Dude, we just talked about this the other night.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. we were. We (laughs) We went off on Field Your Dreams the other night. That's so weird that you brought that up because I'm about to make that joke. I'm like, was it Ray Liotta and he wanted (laughs) to catch? Hey, Dad, want to have a snatch. (laughs) Oh, no. Aaron. What? He's a pimp. People will come, Sean. People will come. Well, certainly. In
3: August, hey, is that 19- a pink anus on that? <laughs> I'm gonna stuff the fucking. A day. couple
2: of butts with some butts. <laughs> Shove against the bars. Um, in August 1946, he's released with eighteen dollars and sixty six cents to his name. Nice. And the clothes on his back. So he's he's completely starting over. Um, now he's 28, and prison time, and the stress of pimp life, and drugs have aged him sure he says i was 28 but i looked 40 like Mm -hmm. it just was run down my hair was thinning and i just wasn't the pretty thin wasted iceberg that i was you know in my late teens and early 20s yeah um but he was armed with this new knowledge Knowledge, so he had perspective that he had perspective so he had the pimp book and then he had actual books right
3: Ah, that's the trick.
2: And so <laughs> he um, he heads to Chicago after he after he visits his mother for a week. He visits his mom, and then and then he heads to Chicago. And what he says about starting over is, uh, I just I, I have to read from from the book every time because just the way it's written is just it's part of his appeal. Uh, I was turning twenty eight, but I looked forty. For seven years, I had devoted myself to getting hit by that pimp's book. I had labored with the zeal of a Catholic brother, agonizing for the priesthood. I had thought and acted like a black God. And then, um, he says that, uh, in a pimp's life, yesterday means nothing. It's how you are doing today. A pimp's, p- so this is in terms of starting over, right? Mm. A pimp's fame is as fleeting as an icicle under a blowtorch. The young fine whores <laughs> are wild to hump for a pimp in the chips. A pimp in bad shape can't get the time of day from them. A pimp's wardrobe has to be spectacular. His wheels must be expensive and sparkling new. I had to get the gaudy tools to start pimping again. I had memorized an arsenal of howitzer motivators I had kept on instant alert in my skull. I had barraged them daily for three years to persuade a 10 hose stable to hump my pockets obese.
1: <laughs> oh my God. To hump my pockets obese? That's pretty
2: great, right?
1: Mm, that's pretty nice. So... <laughs> he, um, he is a magician in that way
2: Let's yeah, be real He's a performer it's, And it, a salesman it, it, So yeah. he's not
1: I, I can turn sex into money I
3: can
2: yeah, turn money and, and into I can make my foot
1: disappear Up check your his, asshole I turn sex into money I don't do the sex Yeah,
2: yeah. It is magic I'm not even doing anything No hands I, I pretty much do nothing Yes. I mean other than the manipulation. I mean but like other other than you know, you know, other than the burden. He's not booking clients. I mean he's not even like a madam booking clients hosting the the venue. I mean he is there's no phone bill truly (laughs) extorting and manipulating. It's really (laughs) it is a magic trick. It's the sickest magic trick. It is. Uh, But I mean it it, like like I said, you know But here's the thing is that
1: belonging is belonging. And belonging has value
2: yeah yeah if you belong to somebody at least you belong
1: (laughs) yeah i mean that's the thing too about you know one of the things the observations that i i had to stop and go okay that's true is when the uh, McDonald was talking about the televangelist and he's like he's like "You, you get salvation for your money right like he's like let's not act like there's not a product to the person giving the money there is very much a product right
2: but oftentimes they are uh, it's not just salvation that they're getting with like, especially with televangelists so this is this is my beef with that because televangelists that are getting money that's different than tithing at the church the televangelists that are asking for money they are asking deliberately poor people yeah like to send their last dollars to them as seed money.
1: Yes, yes. And that's yes.
2: the sick stuff. Like giving your money to the church buying salvation. Okay.
1: Right, but also a but, woman on the street is definitely as desperate as them. Oh, totally. Totally. So, it's the same in my opinion.
2: Oh, right. yeah, yeah. I was just saying I was critiquing norms opinion. But uh, also to
1: that person, to that, you know, girl walking the street, belonging is a uh-huh. product.
2: Yeah. There isn't there's is an exchange happening. There is an exchange happening. Um a place to go, somebody to talk to, at least, and somebody at, who at, will beat somebody's ass. If yeah, they yeah, and,
1: and at the very least, the illusion of security. Right. Um,
2: yeah, this so. I mean, it is this fucked up little street family. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, he he's starting over. You know that he needs a bankroll, right? He's got to have the clothes, got to have the car, all that shit. He's got. He's got. He's got twenty bucks to his name. And so he's got three choices. He says I can I can cop some heroin to try and flip that retail, make some money in a few weeks. I can get a prostitute with quote trillions of mileage on her. Trillions. <laughs> and work and work her for some scratch for a month until she gives up, <laughs> or three.
1: Until she gives
2: up. Trillions of mileage. Uh, it's like buying a race. Trillions. Yeah. Trillions of mileage. Yeah, it's
3: an old horse, but I can run a few races. I've seen
1: it all. You know what you should get out of me is a book. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Moths.
1: (laughs) Uh, Number three. She had a point. I opened a publishing house the (laughs) next
3: day.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was throwing books into pockets. (laughs) To a point, I'm nice. Uh, Number three, do a slick, fast hustle. And that's what he chooses.
3: Yeah, you got it. It just sounds I love it slick and fast, baby. And hustle.
2: So, with an accomplice, he attempts uh, a string of robberies of local drug dealers. Smart. Uh, Armed robbery was not his strong suit. Not smart. Uh, In the spring of 1947, (laughs) he's arrested. (laughs) He's arrested in the spring of 47, and he's sentenced to a year at the Chicago House of Correction. Uh, This was built in the same year as the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Uh, It was created to house uh, thieves, pickpockets, drunks, and poor people who couldn't um, uh, afford... To pay the fines or hire lawyers.
1: Yeah, poor, poor prison.
2: Yeah. yeah. It was considered one of the toughest and out, most out-of-date prisons in the entire country.
1: Yeah, basically debtor's <laughs> prison.
2: Yes. Uh, yeah. Staff was undertrained in modern penal techniques and treated the inmates like indentured servants oh, working off debts. Like, yeah. Um, it was overcrowded and, and single-person cells often had two or three people in them. This
3: has a technology from Chicago when the whole city burned down. I can <laughs> smell the
2: smoke. <laughs> He said that uh, the conditions were impossible. It was like a prison, only tougher. Um, Only cons were scratched or treated like and fed like human beings. So you had their money. Um, The joint was filthy. The food was unbelievable. (laughs) <laughs> good. Uh, it was good. No, no. The food here is Great.
1: unbelievable. You will die. You have to it. You have to get poor
2: and not pay debt <laughs> <The> because <official. laughs> this place <laughs> is unbelievable. The officials had an unfunny habit of putting <laughs> pimps on the coal pile. And um, it's because he was a pimp, they put him in the coal pile there.
3: So, what they had to shovel Shovel
2: coal, coal right? And Rattle roll. He did a week before. He consider, his back gave out he considered escaping oh god he was like maybe i could claw up 30 feet of the wall before i get shot yeah. it was it was that bad and he's just like i i there's no way i can handle a year here especially i just got out of leavenworth and now i'm in this fucking ancient prison in chicago right mm-hmm. and he goes no con misses his freedom more than a pimp his senses are addicted to silky living <laughs> <laughs> he's a silky boy oh god
0: right so
2: <laughs> as he says in, in Pimp uh, after after uh, weeks of, of planning and observation uh, good Friday April 1947 he sets up a dummy in his cell using stolen pants nice a shirt and a sheet for stuffing he hides in the prison shed until nightfall climbs up the side of a building, and drops over the 18-foot wall. Whoa. Now, there's no definitive record of this in his FBI file. Um, The the Freedom of Information request uh, with the Cook County Sheriff does not show anything about this. Um,
1: Could be a tall tale.
2: It could be a tall tale, uh, and there's not... like. And, then, and even there's some scarcity of the records of his stay there.
3: Well, according mm-hmm. to their records, he's still in there.
2: The, the, that's what I'm saying. Like, the records don't even necessarily show that he's there, right? Oh, but, really? Like, it's dubious. But his description of the layout of the prison yard exactly matches the, right. of the official reports. There was a 9x12 shed used as a machine shop, which was right next to the coal pile. And he did he try
1: he was, any of the anus in there? <laughs> It wasn't on the menu. It
2: wasn't that kind of prison, man. There weren't puckered anuses. But
1: well, you said there was pickpockets and homeless yeah. guys and yeah, yeah, donkeys. Yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like the same
2: crew. But there was no fucking sweet puckered anuses. I mean, <laughs> so you're saying there was only
1: just unbelievable food <laughs> and no gay shit. There was Zagatry and not. I I you said it. What I don't. I, it, what, I, what, I don't know. The, you're saying there was Zagatry. you restaurant.
2: <laughs> I said there was Zagats. <laughs> <laughs> Zagat's restaurant nice. guy I you know. know Yes, I, know. I like now, that Now Dublin Delights was uh, in Zagat's Wasn't That's it? That's exactly right So you're a son of a Zagat <laughs> you You're better. you a Zagat legacy
1: Yeah absolutely I'm the future of Zagatry That's right I'm a Zaddy And we got best bang for a buck So you know what kind oh, of business hey, I'm doing You are one of them yeah.
2: Cheap but sweet <laughs> Zagat Fellas He's your Eddie <laughs> um, So there was a 9 by 12 shed it was an ex so cool, all of the other descriptions of his route that he took like the mess hall everything that he says is there that way yeah um and it matches it matches like the blueprints so in the pimp book he says uh that he lived as a, as a fugitive until from this point at 47 to 1961 and he just pretty much skips over like says i did a black houdini to indiana on good friday and uh, pimping in a dozen states but he leaves a little bit out in the book in 1947, in the summer, he meets Maddie Cooper, aka No Thumbs Helen. <laughs> huh? She was a killer pickpocket. Ah, uh, no thumbs. She had thumbs. no thumbs. Well, she—some you know people with no dexterity are all thumbs. She's no thumbs. She's all fingers. Wow. Mm. No she thumbs she Helen. Doodle. She was interesting. Uh, she early, early got into a life of crime. Um, Started probably when she was about 15. Uh, Assault and robbery, possession and sale of narcotics. She can
3: possess it. She can't. He has no thumbs.
2: How do you think that lobster boy would have done with with all his... Dude. (laughs) Pincer movements? (laughs) Pincer
1: movements would have been
2: in high demand. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So she, she, uh, she. Uh, by the time that she met uh, Robert, um, aka Iceberg Slim, uh, she had been arrested and booked for uh, assault and robbery, possession and sale of narcotics, disorderly conduct, highway robbery, disturbing the peace, carrying an oversized knife, prostitution <laughs> and using profane language.
1: Oh, carrying an oversized knife is hilarious.
2: They I got um, a big
1: knife and no thumbs. <laughs> All right, get in jail's kid.
2: They they would do little you know cons here and there. Capers. Uh, um <laughs>
3: That's what little cons are. Okay. They
2: would do some cons here and there, uh, and they got married in Chicago. And what? They moved in with his mom in Milwaukee, where they would live on and off for four years. Get the fuck out. And because of like her being, you know... Oh, um, Handicapped. No <laughs> notorious. She also had... She's <laughs> a.k.a. Maddie Gray, a.k.a. Madeline Roach, a.k.a. Maddie LaRoche. Wow. They would go on the road, and... And just and run cons. Um, Is she a white woman, black woman? No, she's a black woman. Um, there's a picture of her in in this in um, oh pictures. In Justin Gifford's John <laughs> pictures. In <laughs> Justin Gifford's True Biography uh, Street Poison Biography of something. Um, she he took her on the road with him in 1948, and um, they would do this thing uh, where. He calls her a magician. Her method of robbery was to uh, stand in an alley and pose as a desperate woman looking for quick sex. She would lurk in some shadowy doorway or alley entrance, and when the trick came by, she'd go into a con act. She'd stand wide-legged and bend her knees to an almost squatting stance. Oh my god. She'd whip up the front bottom of her dress. She'd expose the gaping, hairy magnet to the bugging eyes of the sucker. Holy shit! The pull was magnified by her stroking her cat. Oh Oh, God! once the mark entered the alley and started grinding himself against her she would expertly unbutton his pants pocket with one hand take out his wallet with the other and rob him blind with both hands behind his neck she'd remove the scratch from the hide the wallet she'd up the sexy chatter and the strong grind against his scrotum she'd roll up the bills into a tight suppository shape she'd slip the wallet back into the pocket she wouldn't forget to rebutton the pocket and when she was ready to blow the sucker off she'd get rid of him She'd crack that she had to pee, and stooping quickly, she'd ram the rolled-up bills up her cat.
3: Oh. Pretending to
2: see a vice cop driving down the street, she would then tell the Mark to meet her at a local hotel and disappear down the alley to find another sucker.
3: That's pretty good. <laughs> no
2: thumbs, Helen.
3: Yeah. It's really tough when you're, just, you're trying to pay for something, though. No. No, no, what no, 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 they don't have
2: thumbprint machines in the forties. What are you
1: talking? No, about? I'm saying
2: you got. I mean, you she's no thumbs. You're saying
1: you got a pincer movement and out. Yeah. she's no you gotta, thumbs. You Imagine
2: like, if you had a a, a wonderful. Deck I'm, I'm just saying. No you, thumbs ha- mean she's better at finger stuff. No, yeah. but I'm Am saying wrong? you're like how? No, wrong you're not
3: wrong. How much is how much is that 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 uh, Coca Cola two bucks? Okay, one second.
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, she's so good. She steals money with the, while she's grinding up against a guy and not even knowing it. I mean, you're, you're, the logic and, stay. and and
1: the button get the, the the button the on button
3: the pocket. Get,
2: it, it's rolled up into that, no, a that, no, that's, shape. that's
1: brilliant. That's what. I, that's
3: all brilliant. I'm just saying. The next day, when she's paying for stuff and she's got to pull money out of her pussy. It's oh, just,
2: I don't think she leaves it in there. Hey, Matt.
1: I'm not the expert here. Oh, I don't think she leaves it in there either. No,
2: no, the, of course she does Just the it would eat through that
1: paper. Well, you said. I said you, I'm not the expert. I'm you just, said she leaves it in her uh, bacon wallet. I'm just here to ask questions.
2: Bacon wallet? You called
1: it a bacon wallet. <laughs> a bacon wallet? Yeah. I don't think... I Somebody told me it was called a bacon wallet one time. Uh, oh, I don't. And I was that. so disgusted that all my friends thought it was really funny. And then one of my friends bought me a wallet that was it looked like bacon. Oh, man. Just because it was like the most... Just like I was like... Clearly, like, very horrified by bacon, bacon wallet. I don't like that. It's really gross, really grossed me out. And then my friend Felix bought me a bacon wallet just to like further piss me off because I was like, that is the stupidest, most, but just no, no, nobody's ever called a pussy a bacon wallet. Shut up, don't like it. It's bad. (sighs)
2: So he's with her, uh, you know, on and off for four years, he's with her for about four years. They're, they're running around the Midwest and shit. Yeah. And he, you know, he, I I think he turns some, he he pimps her up maybe a little bit or she, she's doing sex for money and they're splitting it. That type of thing. But like he's a pimp and he's getting bored with pimping on one woman or, or even just having one, woman. right? This is kind of not his life right now that he, that he's about. And when he tries to, he married her. Right. And she doesn't, she doesn't want to be a part of a stable, but like she's also a criminal. Like, no, I know. So I it. that's, it's, that, that's what they do. They, they do crime, right? <laughs> um, hmm. But she yeah. didn't want to be part of a stable. She didn't want to compete with any other women. Um, she's
3: an entrepreneur.
2: But when he tries to bring a second woman into the group, oh. Uh, she attacks them both with the oversized knife she's known for carrying. <laughs> wow. And, and the profanity. Uh, Quote, she drew her knife. The young whore fled. I disarmed Helen and punched her around. Helen went to work. I fell asleep. I woke up fast. Helen was jabbing her knife into me. <laughs> I rolled away. She had stabbed me in the forearm and the side of an elbow. I took a golf club and knocked her out.
1: Oh, God, what a bunch of insanity. It <laughs> sounds like
3: the neighbors are fighting again. <laughs> Uh, you guys pee it off. <laughs> so yeah, she really sticks it to him.
2: You know he <laughs> he kind of he saw the writing on the wall with their relationship, and he stuck around basically long enough to pick up her pickpocketing techniques, and um, he wanted to get rid of her in a way that wouldn't like cause scorn or a vendetta against him by her. She's crazy. <laughs> um
1: oh, so he showed up with like a dead body and he's like, well, look, what
2: did you do? <laughs> Is <laughs> that what he did, did No, No. no. <laughs> no um <laughs> from the morgue. They kept hustling. I can't believe you. <laughs> he they, he would just they would keep hustling and she uh whether because of him or just bad luck, she was arrested during her alley routine. Uh-huh. And this Led to just a life of her trying to get straight and going back to prison. Her making honest efforts to get straight, getting going back to prison uh, for years. Aww. Uh and uh, That's in, so sad. In 1956, she was sent to prison for murder.
1: uh, uh and that was just some guy.
2: Yeah, just some guy.
3: How, how'd she do it?
2: Uh, I, I don't know.
3: Probably oversized knife. Probably
1: bacon.
2: All. Yeah, probably a reasonable sized knife. Well, I guess that would work too. Yeah, you, she it a little bit. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> well, it's <looks> less <laughs> criminal than the knife. Well, it's so hard when you don't have any thumbs. It's
1: not. Uh, you know, it's it's not the size of the blade. It's the sharpness of.
2: Uh, it's the four. It's the four fingered <laughs> hand. That wields it. You just tape it. Um, so. <laughs> and her name was what again? Maddie Cooper, M-A-T-T-I-D-E Maddie Cooper A.K.A. a-k-a, no, thumbs a-k-a Helen, no Thumbs Helen A.K.A. Maddie Gray LaRoche Yeah, that's right yeah. Um, <laughs> So around this time uh, This is like 1950 Right by the time uh, 1951 when they break up and all that shit? mm mm-hmm. um, Get out of the Midwest. Robert's mother <laughs> and her husband, Ural moved to Los Angeles. Well, here's the thing. Like, the Midwest was where you... Well, could, Chicago. Yeah. It's where you could be black. But not Indiana. But, I mean... Maybe, maybe Indianapolis, I guess. I don't but,
1: know. In some places,
2: I suppose. Yeah, but he's not in Indiana right now. Well, but he he had been in Indiana. Yeah, I I mean, but, I, but, I'm, 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 but, I'm, but I'm, he had been be in Illinois. He'd been in Rockford, Illinois. He'd right. been in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And been, Chicago actually probably was... But Chicago... No, Chicago was... was the place yeah um, yeah but even then you know things were changing right so um, his mother uh, his mother uh, Mary and Ural her husband moved to Los Angeles um, they sold their house and um, he left Milwaukee as well uh, and then from 51 to 52 he, he said he pimped around the Midwest to the Pacific Northwest um, he went to Detroit and Detroit he said was much easier. Then to get started, then back in Chicago, because Chicago was kind of flooded. like the market was flooded there. And yeah. it was, you know, the fast track. Um, after a couple of months, like I think it was eight weeks in Detroit, he had got a 17 year old to whore for him. Oh, no. And a uh, quote, huge, black, dangerous Jasper who ran her own setup. Jasper's a lesbian. Mm. And she had her own little mini brothel thing. Really? Yeah.
3: So he's got like a
2: subsidiary. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's diversifying his yeah. portfolio, portfolio yeah. Uh, his prostitute portfolio. So mm-hmm. within eight weeks, he was cruising the streets in a new 48... Jasper Industries is a subsidiary of Iceberg <laughs> Corporation. Law rights, uh, limited liability corporation. Um, he had a new 48 Fleetwood and he had his bankroll. Um, and uh, Detroit was good. I mean, he had, he expanded his stable and he, he learned to exercise self-control. He, he became icy he wouldn't if somebody popped off he wouldn't beat their ass right mm. away you know he would
3: <clears throat> he grew up
2: <laughs> he grew up a little bit and he used the things that he learned in prison both from the pimps and and from the, the books. books
1: that he was reading yeah.
2: um
1: seems like he might be like an art of war kind of guy too you know like that kind of thing the is, art of war. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Art of war. very nice aaron but um, i mean as far as that kind of thing of you know, dealing with people in and a, being mysterious uh, and not them impatient out. with enemies and stuff, you know? Yeah. It's, it's
3: not just a physical yeah, uh, process with him.
2: You know, he, he had figured out that the, uh, quote, the best pimps keep a steel lid on their emotions and the, uh, the top pimp gets his payoff for always having the right thing to say to a whore, right on lightning tap. So instead of allowing himself to get baited into a fight, you know, losing his cool
1: diffusing, fight, right?
2: Mm. He, um,
1: uh, sating somebody with the getting them what say. they want.
2: Yeah, he would then he would take a you know he would just be icy, and he, for example, would respond with something like, "Listen, square ass bitch, I have never had a whore I couldn't do without. I celebrate bitch when a whore leaves me. It gives some worthy bitch a chance to take her place and be a star. You scurvy bitch! If I shit in your face, you gotta love it and open your mouth wide.
1: Oh yeah." Huh. That's how I
2: talk to John sometimes.
1: Yeah. yeah. He's like a real Eddie Nash, this <laughs> guy.
2: And then I go, I'm not even mad anymore. He <laughs> wow. says the reverse psychology gimmicks worked better than physical abuse, and he made his living in Detroit pretty tastes uh great. pretty well. Um and and this was in like I said, the Midwest was changing. He was in Detroit for a while until quote unquote urban renewal right. yeah. came through and freeway construction turned the east side of Detroit into a no man's land. Yeah, And this is going to be a pattern throughout the remainder of his pimping career of going to cities and then urban renewal happening. Really? Yeah. I mean, like he
1: gets gentrified out of the pimp game.
2: Yeah. And it's not necessarily gentrification, but it's, it's on this more industrial, but yeah, for lack of a better word is gentrification, except it's not neighborhoods. What
1: would you say the word actually would be urban
2: renewal, which means Uh, bulldozing black neighborhoods, putting up high rises and freeways and projects. And then white people moving to suburbs. Yeah. So it's gentrification on a city or statewide scale. Right.
1: Yeah. But part of the thing too is also white people leaving. Yeah. Right. White, so that's the opposite flight. of gentrification. It is. You know, you're, you're right, and the distinction is important, and that's why I wanted to ask. So, yeah. I, I guess, so you're saying it's nice parts of town, also projects.
2: Yeah. It's just the, it's the changing of changing of, of neighborhood of the landscape yeah. of. The, of entire regions of the country. Yeah.
1: Like, okay. And this happens first in Detroit? For him, yeah. Well, you know, that happens in, happens in New York, too. Yeah. But he wasn't no, an no, East no, Coaster no.
2: guy, right? Oh, no. No, No. he doesn't. Don't does, talk about
1: New York. No, no, no. I'm, I'm from Long Island, buddy. I think I would have heard about this. Uh, Aaron, do you want me to take a quick break? Let's do it. Okay.
3: And we're back.
2: Now, um, where were we, John? Uh,
1: well, we were. Uh, he, he was back on the street,
2: right? And he was leaving, uh,
1: leaving Detroit. Detroit, yeah. And uh, he had, um, you know, a little bit of a stable there, and. Uh, right. The urban renewal was right. uh, seems to be
2: right, It turned uh, it, uh the, the freeway construction in mm-hmm. Detroit and the urban renewal, as they call it, uh, was turning the east side of Detroit, traditionally a black area, uh, into a no man's land. So he uh, he went to Cleveland, that's in Ohio. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, wow, good, interesting twist.
2: Now, Cleveland was popping off, mm. yeah. Um Thriving vice scene, yeah, in the Black District.
3: Well, also there's a sh- there's been a shit ton of lead and poison in the water f- for decades. There, that's right. So, yeah, whole group of whole it's group America. Of kids. Oh yeah, whole yeah. group of kids growing up with fucking messed up brains. Yeah, Ju Carey was one of them.
2: <laughs> I mean, this man and everyone during this time who yeah. grew up during this time, lead President gas. included, leaded gas in yeah. the it in the air. I mean yeah. that's
3: why the best job they to all be fucked a, up and a gas so pump. impulsive because of the <laughs> so lead. Impulsive.
2: So that was the thing I wanted to bring up, I didn't want to bring up here, but it's another one of those things, kind of like Freakonomics and, yeah, right. and and Roe v Wade stuff was, a lot of the violent crime ticked down too after they took lead out of the gasoline. And they, well,
1: that's a big, that's a big uh, theory.
3: Yeah, um, you know, like serial killers uh, were a lot. There were more serial killers then, mm. and one of the theories is because the war and. The, the war took away their fathers and all the kids had lead gasoline.
2: Uh-huh. In their See what happens? See what happens. So uh, he, went, he goes to Cleveland and uh, like I said, thriving vice scene, especially in, in the black part of the town, uh, because there's unspoken agreement with uh, with the authorities, white authorities, <laughs> mm. uh, because it served a few purposes. One, it reaffirms racist stereotypes that black people are all criminals and degenerates. Yes. It allows them to demonize the population mm. And it also lets them keep a close eye on drugs, prostitution, and gambling without letting it spill into the respectable white right, neighborhood. Right. So it kind of makes sense for them to allow it to be there and not let it be um, m- more decentralized and unobservable or uncontainable.
3: Your are hamster dams.
2: That's right. Hmm. I don't know what that is.
1: Yeah, hasn't seen season three yet. Uh, season four. Oh, yeah. The Wire? Yeah. Yeah on the docks. you'll <laughs> <laughs> um, graduate soon. One day.
2: Uh, just too busy, you know, learning mm-hmm. learning learn about fucking getting street poison pimp culture. Mhm. Um, so uh, black detective novelist Chester Himes, legendary black novelist. Uh he grew up in Cleveland around this time, and he wrote of Cleveland's vice district in the opening of his autobiography, and I want to just describe it to you. He grew up in uh, Cleveland during the 20s and 30s, and he was fascinated with the whorehouses and Prohibition speakeasies uh, along the infamous Scoville Avenue, known as the Bucket of Blood. And um, it kind of continued uh, being this way and, and even more so into the 40s and 50s. And he wrote... That Scoville Avenue ran from 55th Street to 14th Street on the edge of the black ghetto and was the most degraded slum street I had ever seen. The police once estimated that there were 1,500 black prostitutes cruising the 40 blocks of Scoville Avenue at one time. The black whores on Scoville, for the most part, were past their 30s, vulgar, scarred, dim-witted, in many instances without teeth, Mm. diseased, and poverty-stricken. Most of the black men in the neighborhood lived on the earnings of the whores and robbed the hunkies, Hungarian immigrants. They gambled for small change, fought, drank poisonous white mule, cut each other up, and died in the gutters. It was nothing unusual to see a black man lying in the gutter, drunk and bleeding and dying. Wow. Yikes. Slim thrived here. (laughs) Yeah. I found my place. (laughs) This would be the best pimping of
3: his career. (laughs) It's like, it's like, he's like playing for for the Yankees Um,
2: Yeah. He had women uh, humping for him in Cleveland and also neighboring Toledo. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a strict regimen of going to bed early. <laughs> Wasn't very much of a drinker. Uh, uh, had a strict regimen of going to bed early and getting up before his women did. Um, uh, he kept his clothes tight and his, his beauty regimen was better than theirs. He would often wake up uh, and get get to his bottom woman's apartment fully dressed looking immaculate before she even woke up and just kind of giving this, you know, this air of control control and dominance. He said that, um, oh gosh, he said, uh, I'd be sitting there like a field marshal, you see, all impeccable. I might even have gone down to the barber shop and gotten myself all refurbished, everything. And there she found me, the gentleman who had gotten slightly sweaty with her during the night, perhaps. But I'd recouped, you see, and I was still flawless infallible Jehovah that I was when we got in bed <laughs> wow <sighs> um but even even with this uh incredible second act of his career you know he's in his 30s now mm-hmm. which is getting up there for a pimp. yeah and he's having a wonderful second act making money uh still having nightmares Wow. Still having those nightmares. Still having new nightmares. Uh, After one of his uh, prostitutes died with a burst appendix, Uh new nightmares were added to the old ones. You know the one where he's beating the shit out of his mom and stuff? Yeah. He said, I used to dream that there would be puffy, green-streaked bladders, and they would be rushing in chaos, and I... Had a subjective attachment to them because I was fearful that they would collide. They were all tied into my own existence. So he starts using cocaine again. Uh, but this time he adds heroin. So he starts doing speedballs
3: Oh <laughs> yikes. No, you don't have to worry about sleep.
2: And he and he said um, I got sound sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I never had didn't have those bad dreams and I got hooked on H. but it didn't worry me because I had a lot of money. I had a long scratch. Wow. Uh, but then Urban Renewal came for Cleveland as well. Mm. And uh, they cracked down on the scene. Uh, and so he left for Seattle. And um, Damn, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, well, I, I mentioned earlier that he he would uh, pimp a little bit around the Midwest and move eventually to the, the Pacific Northwest, but you don't to think of that. Yeah. So you don't think of Seattle that way, but for m- more reasons than one, Seattle at this time would get a reputation of being a wide open town. Mm. Um, you know, the changes in the country were going to eventually alter the pimp game and uh, the entire country in general. Um, but there was a post-war economic boom, uh, or, but there was a lot of industry there where that black men could work and make money. Hmm. Um, and they were, they could make more money there than in the Midwest, which originally was a place where black men could make more money than the South. So there was this kind of second great migration to the west, Pacific Northwest, and the West Coast. Um, Boeing was there, Sears was there, and they were paying livable wages, um, mm-hmm. more than more than they were paying black men in other parts of the country. Um, but during this time, you start seeing the tide of culture change to a more integrated society. Brown versus the Board of Education.
3: Mm-hmm
2: desegregation of schools. Rosa Parks refuses to give up her seat on a bus to a white man. The whole civil rights movement is starting. And... And he's in Seattle for all that. He's in Seattle for much of this, right? Huh. And then, like I mentioned, post-war economic boom. Increasing availability of all consumer goods. And mass culture. TV. Yeah. Everyone is seeing, you know... A young one you know
1: um everybody knows <laughs> i love lucy yeah everyone knows, everyone
2: knows everyone's seeing like the how the rich how rich people really live it's everyone's getting tv everyone you know before before this everything was just kind of a, an abstraction so it was much easier for pimps to run a con on young girls by saying that they were fucking super rich and they had the ticket to, to fame and fortune they mm-hmm. can you know, they would buy looms of fabric and staple them to the wall of their hotel room and say that, you know, their place is covered in, in velvet yeah. and shit like that, you know, but because they were, they would, you know, they weren't on the wiser. But now, as Baby Bell said it earlier, you know, when when the economy is good, it's a nightmare for a pimp mm. because there's not desperate young girls trying to make money. Right. So now the economy is booming. There's an influx of, every, the shoe shiners had a Cadillac. You know, so everyone—it was just everyone was doing better. So the pimp game was changing because now your shit's not that special. I can one anyone can get a Cadillac. Everyone's getting a car in the fifties, right? Yeah,
3: You can yeah, get a low job.
2: So. And you're—I can tell you're fake rich. You're hood rich. This ain't real. You—you mm-hmm. know—you live with your mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um,
1: so and, and the American dream is more attainable.
2: And it's and now it's a, its almost a monoculture. Yeah. Bef- integration happened, right? And. Although there will be still before busing and all that stuff is still yet to come, but you're starting to see it happen. Yes. Right? Jackie Robinson had broken the color barrier and all that stuff. So it's starting to happen and now it's harder to run the con. So the old school pimp game is, is dying out. Um so he leaves. Uh he leaves um Seattle because he sees the writing on the wall there. It's no longer a wide open town um the those war industries like like Boeing and then even just you know retail like Sears or Safeway every, everyone's making doing a little bit better for themselves rising tide lifts all, all ships right even black ones and so he leaves he leaves Seattle to go back to Chicago one last time um and he and he's gonna he, to rethink the game because he's getting older he has to get smarter he can't can't gorilla pimp he can't he's gotta get better in the way he does it so he kicks heroin, he has a friend lock him in a room for a few weeks, Damn. and he slowly lowers his dose, and he's like, dude. Oh,
3: okay, just That's cold. That's yeah, yeah, he far, slowly
2: far. lowers it over the course of a few weeks, and he still says it, like, if you've ever had the flu, multiply times a thousand. Still with reduced, wow. Yeah. Um, still with getting a little, it's still that bad. Yeah. Wow. Um, Jesus. In Chicago, he he had a couple women. Ooh, the flag's falling. <laughs> he had a couple women of, in in his uh, employ, as it were, um, in town. He also had a, a couple in a brothel in Montana. Oh, nice! And so he's they working, need it there. It, well, I mean, <laughs> it, I think we talked about Bad, it in baby. one of one of Matt's episodes. Montana has a rich history of brothels. I think Good Time Party Girl she ran a brothel in Montana. Montana Montana has mm. had like high class, or or. Lots of and very good brothels since like the Civil War, yeah. Um, so he had a couple women in a, in a brothel there just mailing him money. So he's now he, in his old age, in the twilight of his pimping career, he's working smarter, not harder, yeah. Um, through I'd, the big sky, <laughs> <laughs> big sky, Montana, yeah, got it. Um <laughs> Sorry, just cracking open this fine nice. butt, wiper. It was oh. butt. butt wiper, the king of beers. That was really good stuff. Mmm. Mmm. You like that. We can really taste the piss. Yeah. Mm. So I said he's um working smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. Doing all right. But now he's 40. Yeah. I know he's in heroin.
1: No,
3: he's
2: kicked.
1: All right, but 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 even before that, you said he looked kind of like shit. And and then he added the heroin habit, and he looks a little long in the tooth for a pimp.
2: And, and 44 a pimp is ancient now. Like yeah. he looked long in the tooth at 30. Yeah. To his own vain standards. I mean, yeah. he's still all right looking. Um, I'm wearing this shirt right now. This is a nice yeah. pro pimp shirt. Can you guys see? Yeah, it? I how, he, how
3: old is he in that picture? Twenty uh, early twenties?
2: Yeah, he's probably in his late 20s. This is probably right after he got out of prison in like when he was 28, 29. Mm-hmm. Um so uh He, um, he's old and, yeah, and years, he, he knows, he, he's old and pimp years and he knows that his career is coming to an end, but he doesn't, he's kind of surprised in the way it happens. In 1961, he's arrested in South Park, on South Park Avenue in Chicago for an outstanding warrant for a prison escape. <laughs> no way. <laughs> that sucks. So then, it is proven. (laughs) It is proven. Ah. So, (laughs) I mean, he was held for a month at Cook County Jail, where he had been before, Mm -hmm. and then sentenced to ten months at Chicago House of Corrections. Now, Chicago House of Corrections is that the tower? No, I don't. I don't think so. Okay, Uh, it is a nightmare. (laughs)
3: It doesn't sound like any of them are. He was placed
2: placed in a tiny cell not meant for long-term incarceration. Quote, It was a tight box designed to crush and torture the human spirit. I raised my arms above me. My fingertips touched the cold steel ceiling. I stretched them out to the side. I touched the steel walls. I walked seven feet or so from the bar door to the rear of the cell. I passed the steel cot. The mattress cover was stained and stinking from old puke and crap. The toilet and wash bowls were encrusted with greenish-brown crud. The Chicago House of Correction was built just a few years after the Civil War, so it was even older than the last shithole he was in. This one
3: survived the Chicago fire. Yeah,
2: (laughs) You'll be safe here. No windows, and some of the cells still use slop buckets for toilets.
1: Fucking Christ.
2: Most of these uh, cells were designed for prisoners to spend maybe one or two nights. Um... But uh, prison officials were cool and sometimes used them to punish uh, uncooperative or dangerous inmates. He was in that cell for nearly a year. Yikes. Uh, basically solitary. Yeah. Uh, and he, he says he witnessed things that almost drove him crazy here. A con on the row blew his top one night around midnight. He woke up the whole cell house. At first he was cursing God and his mother... The screws, the COs, brought him past my cell. In my state, the sight of him almost took me into madness. He was buck naked and jabbering a weird madman's language through the foamy jib. Foamy jib is your mouth. It was like like talking in tongues holy rollers do. He was jacking off his stiff swipe with both hands.
1: Both hands. hands. Both hands. hands.
2: He needs two hands.
1: Now, that's nice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he has a drop upon all of his discipline and the screen theory, uh, you know, controlling the movies that play in your mind. Oh, he, I don't he know. He had that. a drop. We talked about in the last episode, you know, you're in control of the movies that play oh, in your mind, right? Oh, right? right, right, That's I'm screen right, yes, theory yes, is what yes, we call it. Yes, right. So Unless
1: he, you're asleep. And then your head movies.
2: <laughs> in my head movies. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, you're right. That's, that's why you don't sleep, man. <laughs> um. So he, in he, his, and his um, you know, his knowledge of um, psychotherapy and psychiatry, he kind of acted as his own therapist. And he, you know, when he, when he started to hear voices, he remembered reading that hearing voices is, means you're starting to lose your mind. And so he was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta get my shit together. And so he, um, he did something called writing on the ceiling. And um, he would... Lay on his cot and look at the ceiling, and start like reenacting uh, scenes from his past. Wow! And all and and basically writing them out, like imagining them, acting them out, and then writing them out on the ceiling. And it was his way of staying sane. Wow! Um,
1: and then, crazy man. That's yeah, and, this, fucking and the, crazy. This, I mean, it's, it sounds like a good trick to. He,
2: he said, like, yeah, "Yeah,
1: I mean, coping mechanisms are." sometimes just as simple as laying it out and not having a go around like a stew in your head. Yeah. Well,
3: and I mean, something, um, it reminds me of my, I had a great uncle who was in Japanese internment camp and he would get, take matchbooks and he would write every word that he could think of that began with a letter. On yeah. Mm. And he, that's how he stayed safe. Yeah. Wow.
2: You just got to do something. And in, in Doing this, writing on the ceiling and doing his own kind of psycho evaluation, psychiatric evaluation of himself. He um, he decided he was going to quit pimping forever. He, he kind of reconciled why he was having these dreams about his mother. And um, his mom was, he knew that his mom was kind of deteriorating in her condition. At this point, she had diabetes and all this shit. Yeah. And um, he was going to kick the pimp game for sure there. And this writing on the ceiling, all this therapy and stuff kind of um, honed his talent mm-hmm. even more for storytelling and wordplay. And when, at the end of his term, when, when the prison authorities were going to um, renege on his good time, like one month good time, he wrote a letter to the warden. He wrote his way out of jail early. And it's Ooh. pretty good. Um, and it's it's the only letter, it's the only document from his incarceration in the Chicago House of Correction that survives. And I'll read some of it. Okay. All right. You kinda get this is like the first thing he's ever that we we have that he's written.
3: This before yeah. the books.
2: Other yeah. than I could read to you a there's a picture of him in No Thumbs Helen that he has a caption on. Maybe I'll save that for Patreon. Remind yeah. me for that. Okay. This is the this is letter he, he writes to the, the administration. Dear Warden, I've seen your <laughs> wife. I'm going to shit in your mouth. Open she,
1: she begged me to stay. <laughs> Sir. This guy's got a word.
2: I have requested to see you on several occasions in the recent past as to the vital importance of my legal release date. I had attributed your failure to call me for interview to the press of a busy schedule. Now that I have by personal device managed to see you, I shall be as brief and as clear as possible. Sir, I am confused and puzzled as to what methods you employ in the awarding of good time. I will be most grateful to you if you will clarify your criterion, which determines who is and who is not entitled to good time. I am sure that you are an able man for your position, and as such you surely must be aware that one of the vital precepts of effective penology is that good time is always given to those who good conduct deserves it. Sir, in short, why in the face of my impeccable conduct has my good time been taken? Sir, I have heard very recently a most unpleasant rumor to the effect that good time is sometimes unfairly given or not given on the basis of not merit but of skin color. This rumor, because of my faith in you as a just man, I had discounted as utterly fantastic. Sir, another matter which is not less important to me, is the failure of your record room to post on its ledger 60 days to my credit, which had been given to me in court last June 13th by Judge Butler. A friend of mine has researched this matter for me, and the result is that aside from Judge Butler's dictum, that I have yet a stronger legal support to my 60 days claim, I refer specifically to the fact that Mr. Churchill, an accredited and authorized member of the House of Corrections, official family, had executed and performed my arrest as a member of your staff. In brief, my contention is simply that if Captain Churchill had taken me to such an unlikely location as a basement in in Skokie and held me there for two months instead of in county jail as was done, the legal effect would still be the same. My sentence started at the instant that the captain arrested me. Now, sir, if I am not released on schedule, the prospect of civil experiment I find most attractive. In closing, I must say I realize that mine is a tiny voice crying in the wilderness. But it is historical fact that even a tiny voice can often bring cataclysmic change. Thank you for your time. <laughs> he lets him out. Wow, sir.
3: Wow. You know,
2: semi-veiled yeah. threats, legal arguments, a, a, a rhythm that is cutting.
1: Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, so builds one up
2: while cutting them down. Cutting he them pimped down. the warden. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he gets his good time and gets let out. Um,
1: and now where's party time during all this?
2: I think he's jacking up his, <laughs> tip, swipe, his <laughs> tip swipe. Two hands. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's released for the last time in 1962, and he leaves the game behind forever. Um, like I said, his mom is bedridden. Um, Ural, uh, Ural Beck, her husband, uh, has died. Um, he he's he gets out of that ten months of solitary. Um, he says, "I think he says a, a shell of his former self." Um, it nearly drove him mad.
1: Yeah, tremendously psychologically damaging. He, he
2: lost thirty pounds. Yeah, and uh, and has like that grew a scraggly ass beard. Um, it's and and he he goes back to Chicago. Oh, I mean, he's in Chicago, but as he leaves. He has um, this bittersweet farewell to the city and to the game. That uh, I just want to read because it's—it's just you know it's it's so alien but also so relatable. Mm. Let's see if I can find this here. Um, you know, most of the pimps at this time, since so April nineteen sixty-two, and. He had made a promise to himself and, and eventually will to his mother that he's 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 straightening up. Um but you know most of the pimps that he he had known were either dead or drunk buffoons in a gutter. Um <sighs> Baby Bell. Remember Baby Bell?
3: Still, of course, right. yeah.
2: Baby Bell. Um no longer a baby. No longer Man never was toddler Toddla- Bell. <laughs> he had walked over to Chicago's Washington Square Park. And uh, shot himself in the temple. Jesus Christ. Left a note. Goodbye, squares. <laughs> kiss my pimping ass. Oh, oh, that's so... Adi- that's, oh, Aaron. That's, oh,
1: God, that makes me so happy. I
2: know how much you love last words. I love last Goodbye, words. Squares, Goodbye, squares. Comma, kiss my pimping ass. Pimpin ass.
1: <laughs> shot himself in the temple. I'm going out how I want to go Fearless. out. Goodbye, squares. <sighs> Sorry you guys couldn't be cool
3: for five minutes.
2: <laughs> Zaggots. <it. laughs>
3: <laughs> they just don't get it.
2: He um, <laughs> he didn't want to suffer the same fate, to either kill himself or be dead from other means or be a drunk bum. It became a square. Um,
1: and he's probably very uh, inspired by the success of his writing campaign. I mean, to to be released. And so now he's thinking, what else non-traditionally can I pimp?
2: Yes, um, there's a little bit of time before. I mean, his main thing is, is getting right with himself and his mother first before he gets there. But it is. You're not wrong. But there's a little bit of time here because he, he really wants to reconcile with his mom. That was the big thing. That was his kind of breakthrough that he had first with Dr. Crumb and Beagle yeah. and then in his the ceiling of his his six by ten cell was like, shit, I was just, man. These nightmares are happening for a reason, right? You know, he uh, he's past forty now. Um uh, he had blown his bottom woman. He no longer has the finery for for seducing young victims. Um he he reflected this is before his right before he leaves, he says, um, I was caught in a nightmare bind that an older pimp faces past the age of 35. He is then prone to many setbacks and disasters. Any one of them can put him on his uppers and without any one of them can put him on his uppers and without the basic gaudy bait, like an out of sight car, psychedelic wardrobe, the diamonds necessary to hook and enslave a fresh stable of humping young whores. And then, you know, he gets out. And he says the clothes flopped around on my skeletal frame because he lost thirty pounds, right? Yeah. And he just he he walked back to the city because he hadn't done, he hadn't walked, you know. He just I'm just gonna walk back to the city. At yeah. so the
3: beginning, it's gotta feel like a liberating. Walk. Oh, again, okay. yeah. and, 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 yeah. and then at the end of it, you're like, "Fucking
2: god, yeah, he, I don't have any muscles." Yeah, he walked the the six or seven miles back into town, and he. He wasn't planning to do it, he just like I walked down and just I just kept going. Yeah. You know? And he went to a barbershop shop, got a haircut and a mud nice. massage, hoping to maybe look a little bit fresher, you know. Oh, nice. And like, I only all, all I could think was that I looked like my own grandpa.
3: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure during that haircut, he was like, Who the fuck is <sighs> the this guy? Who the fuck is this man? This square.
2: <laughs> um and he is he said goodbye to the last woman that worked for him when he's leaving Chicago. He said, I felt a stab of regret that I was leaving her forever back there, but then the pain was gone and the great relief of my smooth exit from her and the terrible emptiness of the pimp game. And it was good to realize that I would no longer brutalize and exploit black women. Wow. So he, um, he goes, he goes to LA, moves in with his mom who is bedridden and alone um. And she's not doing hot, so hot Yeah I And mean, bedridden and alone But like really suffering
1: But he buys her a nice outfit And puts her on the street
2: Oh yeah He makes her get, <laughs> gives her a reason to live
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up dude.
3: So, There can't be a bottom If there's only one
2: They would uh, this, He really reconciles with, mom, with his mom here Really? Yeah um, They would lie in, in two twin beds Next to each other And st- talk all night
1: and she, oh, like, admits, like, hey, I did fucked up shit.
2: Like, or, I mean, or I, go- I mean, I think he, it was more that he realized that perhaps he over blew the really the only mistake that she ever made. Right. I mean, she's still letting him live with her and stuff yeah. all the times he came out of prison. Like, she, and, and he says, like, you know, she was really a good woman. And I just really resented her for the trauma that. Her her mistake caused me. I mean, she was a young woman when that happened.
1: Yes, and also the circumstances that she's forced into by virtue of being a black woman in that time. And then you go like, all right, well, that wasn't really you neglecting me, but it was it was really society neglecting us, yeah, and and forcing you into that kind of position, right? And if you had
3: any, and and
2: even then, like, she got tricked by an asshole. Sure.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: That's and and abused, and she tried, you know. She tried after that, you know, yeah. and and um, he, he he reconciled with her, and he made a promise to clean up as he was already. He'd already kick, kick drugs and stuff, and start a family. Um, and you know he has never been on a date before. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh my god. <laughs>
3: He's a
2: forty-year-old man who has never had a real relationship. Yeah don't oh, pick at the bill. Or how does it, it, work? It never been on a date. All he, all he knew was pimping, right? And so he's like, "Well, I'm going to do what I know." And so he polishes up her Chrysler, like shines it up, shines his shoes, puts on like this is hundred degree heat in L. A. Puts on like a fucking twelve piece suit, you know. And um you know, down to like you know, he would always iron his pants with a thick, well, fat crease down the front. And um, he would, he'd go out, and he, he said, "I'll, you know, I'll go to diners and look for a, a waitress or a working girl that would then make a suitable bride." And so, in 1962, 1963, he um, he goes to this burger joint. In mm. LA McDonald's? Yeah. <laughs> And he meets... The immediacy of the yeah is so good. Yeah. <laughs> he meets... Got it. He meets 26-year-old Betty Mayshu. Huh. She was born February 25th. My birthday. <laughs> um, white girl. Uh, and she, she had just left Austin, Texas uh, after falling out with her mother. Mm. And she moved to L.A., and she tracked down her father, who had been estranged, uh, in Ventura, California, about an Uh, hour or 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 so. Uh, She goes to see him. He's now an alcoholic and tries to rape her.
3: Jesus Christ. Mm.
2: So she goes back (sighs) to L.A., and she starts, she doesn't have any money. She's basically living out, she's homeless pretty much, living in a car, and um, she starts working for and eventually living with uh, an elderly black couple who ran this burger stand in South Central. Wow. She started working for them And when they saw that she was Like living there They offered her Aww. They she, They offered her to stay In the room with their daughter Like in another In, a, in another bed like, That's they so were, sweet they were really sweet Really really good people her. Yeah Um And He would uh He went to this burger stand And he would just He all He didn't know how to like Approach women Or talk <laughs> yeah. he, would, he knew how to stalk them yeah. And I don't mean like Stalk like uh I mean just like the, Like stalking your prey
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finding out, you know, more about them. And then, like, you know, right. the, the whole the whole thing he'd been trained about. Uh, so, find out their trauma. Right. right. But, right. but you know, He was so, still
2: determined in a way to. Counteract not it. Not be a pimp, but try and use these evil skills for good somehow, right? So, Well, he
3: knew what he wanted. And could he get it without being.
2: Totally exploitative and abusive and brutal. <laughs> yeah. And so he would go and he'd, he'd sit there and he'd get a burger and fries and 7-Up. And she would bring it out. And, you know, uh, she would get, like, hit on by other guys there. And he'd be like, man, can't you see she's just trying to work? And he would just do that all the time. Like, just defend this cute blonde chick from, uh, I don't think she was blonde, but cute white girl from Toxis. Mm -hmm. And just defend her from these guys, you know, fucking perving out on her all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, he would never, and then he would just finish his burger. And he'd he'd bring her the, the, you know, little basket of stuff and, and just say, thank you, miss. And, you know, I'll see you tomorrow, dear. And he did that for a while. And then, until one day, at the end, after defending, you know, her again from another fucking asshole, mm-hmm. he said, you know, uh, w- w- I would, one of these days, would you let me take you to a place where you could eat some real food besides a hamburger? And she says, like, what? And he goes, like, soul food. And she was like, and in a later interview, she's like, you know what? I lived with black people. I liked black music. I liked black food. And then this strange, older black man comes, and he's got a car shiner than the shiny shoes he's wearing and he's dry well he looked like i don't know if it was a doctor or a lawyer or something but like this just and it was really nice to me so i said yeah mm-hmm. and so um they go out they go to a soul food place um then they go to a like a diner and uh and this was like when they had um you know, jukeboxes right so he would give her a nickel and she would walk and play the jukebox and come back and they would give her another one and, you know, and she's like what will you just give me a quarter like and i can just play five songs she's like it's like uh, i like the way everybody here looks at you when you get up to go pick a song
3: mm. it's, still, it's still it's still pimping
2: right but not in like, <laughs> but it's not he's pimping, not like, pimping. In, like shit in your mouth bitch <laughs> but, but he's it's, just being yeah smooth
3: right? i mean yeah. he, you know uh, uh he's not watching i mean he no. is
2: she is getting up and walking sure 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 but um, you know
3: tiger out of the jungle jungle right. tiger that's racist. Wait, what did you say, dude? Tiger out of the jungle. Jungle out of the tiger, you know? You can't take.
2: Yeah, you can take
3: the tiger out of the jungle, but you can't take the jungle out of the tiger.
2: That's really racist.
1: What about the, what about the, the white tigers up in. <laughs> In uh, what
2: is, wait, Siberia.
1: No, wait, no, no. I was going to say up in Vegas in the, in oh, the, yeah. in the, the
2: Siegfried yeah. uh, tower. You can take the tiger out of Siegfried. <laughs> but you, can't take, you can't take Siegfried but you can't, out of the no, tower. because he's in there for good. He <laughs> should have too. Out. Mm-hmm. Or Roy.
1: You think you killed me, but I'm in your head forever, dude. Every time you're riding a bike, you're thinking about old Siegfried. <laughs> you couldn't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I you, ended up. Pimping. You ate me.
2: Now I'm a part of you. Uh,
1: I'm. A, I'm pimping you from the afterlife.
2: You fucking dumb fuck. I'm your Tyler Durden. <laughs> Tiger.
1: I'm
3: your Tiger. Tiger Durden. Oh. Tiger Durden.
2: Oh! <laughs> Tiger Durden. <laughs>
1: You
3: set it up. I,
2: it, That's pretty cool. You set it yeah. up. No, I like it. It's yeah, really no, good.
0: You like
1: it. You always enjoy a really dumb pun. Especially if I come up with the puns. <laughs> Especially. How we have you. I, did it. I didn't. If I didn't I didn't come work. up with
2: it. I didn't come up with it.
1: Well then start talking about the Siegfried Tower.
2: I uh, know you're right. You're the you're, you're I'm the Siegfried. brains. I'm the yeah, brains. You're the brains of the brains this. I, what, I, what would I do without you? <laughs> see how I'm pimping see Nothing. How, see how I'm pimping. Oh. He's sick. So uh, then they go to a, a nightclub. Hey, all right. And, you know, he drinks 7 Up because he doesn't drink any drugs anymore. And um, <laughs> she's drinking, she has some whiskeys and then she drinks some other people's whiskeys. And Uh-oh. she's getting pretty lit up.
1: Oh, no. And then she, they're in
2: the car and he's in the Chrysler that he put a record player in because he's still a pimp. That's really nice. Move. Yeah. And, hundred, uh, no bumps? No bumps? No bumps. <laughs> and um, she pukes. And she's puking really bad. And so In the Chrysler. Well, out of it.
3: Oh, that's gonna mess up that shine.
2: And then, um, so he takes her to the ER. And she goes back there and they like pump her stomach or whatever. And oh, god. they run some tests, and she finds out she's three months pregnant. Oh god. And she's uh she's freaking out. I mean, she's on the first date with this guy and you know sh- and he's like, she's like how do I, she's like, I've how my- do I not exploit this <laughs> she was like she was like I I didn't you would never have guessed that I was two or three months pregnant I was having my period I just this is impossible I'm like no you're pregnant and she's like, I can't do this I don't want to do and he's like, what do you mean? she's like I, how am I gonna I, what am I, I don't have anybody to take care of me he's like, oh I'll take care of you and he does. And she moves in with him and his mom. No shit. Yeah. Um, and. Who's out there? <laughs> she still doesn't know what he. She just still doesn't know. She's not know right what on the what, ceiling, is she? She's Betty um, doesn't know his past yet. He's just this sweet. That's her name is Betty. Yeah. yeah. Betty Mayshu. And um, little, uh, you know, the first few days, his mom warns her to leave. She's like, she's talking (laughs) shit about her. You're in the jungle now, bitch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can take the Siegfried out of the tiger, but you can't take take Siegfried out of Roy, (laughs) I'll tell you that. They they
2: like being in.
0: But uh, she doesn't, she
2: doesn't leave. Um, And they, they (laughs) um, and they they eventually uh, they get their own, they get their own place. And then his mom dies. And Betty says she has never seen anybody in more pain in her entire life. Oh. then Robert, when Robert Iceberg Slim's mom dies. Wow. She's like, I, it was, uh, he was inconsolable. Wow. Man, um, it's just kind of, you know, you have all the, whatever, you know, trauma, And 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 the uh, underlying hatred or or, uh, resentment that you have from it, it's still feeling, right? So it's still involvement. It's involvement, Involvement, investment, and so whenever, even after you, I'm I'm sure that even if he'd never reconciled with her, he would still have been wrecked by her death. Right. And then probably even more so that he did reconcile with her because Hmm. you know they spent so much time before she died, but. Whatever that um, you know, it's it's like you know, enemy showing up to your funeral type of thing, you know.
3: But uh, you know, it's it, it's 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 like a twilight zone type of thing where, after all of this time and all of this trouble, they finally they both him and his mom are both past it, and now she can go. They're cool. Yeah. And then, but there's not enough time. Still tell buddy, you got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he,
2: he said that him moving back in with her in LA, probably, it, it bought her like six months more life.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, I believe that. And you know, the other thing is that with a lot of these relationships, too, like, uh, you know, the headlines are always the bad shit. Yeah. But you always know underneath, there's still these very good, uh, enriching, Um of you know kind of uh, soul replenishing times uh, that, that that they don't rise to the top when you think you, about you don't the know the headlines because you know so much more about them you've had such a more yeah, thorough Yeah but, but the headlines I think are is just like the bad shit that you're mad about because that yeah. has like traction. Yeah. The good stuff is just there and makes you feel at peace. Yeah. And and, you, well, and, it, and it, it's it's only really when somebody is gone that I think you reflect on those times and then go like oh yeah fuck, all that shit was great. Yeah. So I think that's part of the pain is that you don't know what you you got till it's gone. Mm -hmm. You still see somebody and you still see all this hurt and and all this shit. And then, like, the moment they're gone, you're like, ah, fuck, man. Remember this fucking one time that was like nothing happened and we just had a nice night?
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, know? he, in general, you know, he didn't have a a conscious hatred of his mother. No, no, but you, you get caught up in your own narrative. Right. And mm, then especially yeah. as he's reconciling it in prison through therapy is like, Oh shit, man, a lot of this stuff was about my mom. Like yeah. all those dreams, it was unconscious. It was subconscious for him. That's why it came out in his dreams. Yeah. But in general, he always, anytime he got out of prison or jail, he went back and stayed with his mom. For yeah. He can visit her all the time. Like they yeah. did have, they were close. And yeah. it says, you know, as we talked about in the, in the Patreon and in the previous part one, you know, he said he was he wasn't an inherently good pimp like all the others because he didn't hate his mom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but having that, and that's what was, I and mean, that's why he did, and it was important for him to see her off and and make good on his promise to her, of uh, mm-hmm. being clean, kicking the game, and and starting a family,
1: and also uh, ultimately talking about the shit. Yeah. yeah. Because guys like Baby Bell were never going to write this book. No. To the point of being like, hey, here's all the shit I did, and it's wrong. Yeah. No, Baby Bill killed himself to avoid Yeah. That st- <laughs> yeah, yeah, kiss my pimping ass. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Goodbye,
2: Square. <laughs> Ice- Iceberg Slim
1: still has enough uh, 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 gentleness in his life that at the end of it, it allows him to go forward and yep. and be like, yeah, this was bad and dysfunctional.
2: Yeah, it's, um, and, and he really, he really does, you know, get, do everything in his power to be legit Um You know he's living with Betty She's pregnant with god knows whose kid
1: Yeah some burger baby <laughs> I don't know I don't know how that works Dr. Crumbieger
2: A <laughs> <Krumburger? Krumbiger? laughs> um, He He
0: um
2: He um He takes a job for an exterminator company like door to door type of thing but he's like man I'm a fucking hustler fuck this so he makes his own business card he takes the shit makes his own business the equipment card. yeah brilliant and he just makes his own business card going around so he doesn't have to give half of it he's like I, don't, I know what I'm getting pimped I'm gonna fuck this I'm gonna do it <laughs> yeah. on his own so he does it on yeah. his own starts spraying
1: arrogance in people's faces
2: and um, <laughs> you know he you know LA was comparatively a pretty uh, you know he had even said like they treat black people who are better than any other city I've ever been to yeah but even then la was segregated <laughs> of course yeah I mean it's, it's still, it's you know still white white homeowners associations and mm-hmm. very tied into the kKK and white flight in la and all this yeah so, um you know he it would, is it is
1: important to say though that the difference is s- still quite a bit in my opinion yeah um yeah L.A. Uh, from other cities. East coast, west
2: coast, midwest. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And and To this day, you'll hear the same thing from people.
1: I immediately saw a difference when I moved out here. And I met black folks that grew up on the west coast. And I was like, I can immediately tell, oh, white people have been nicer to you for longer here than... And, and, when, and we uh, we have a mutual friend where uh you know he was saying like he's like my parents were like super fucking like black power uh-huh. in Philadelphia and they sent me out here to be like here is a better place to get used to white people
2: mm-hmm. and he sounds and,
1: and, and 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 yeah and and he's right though I mean yeah. his parents were right yeah um it is it's different it's still not
2: it's not perfect no, by no, any no. stretch of the imagination right
1: but there is a general um. I would say a better attitude yeah. uh, from the average uh, white people out here.
2: Um, so, like I said, he does the exterminating and that, and that was the only sales job he could get. You know, he, because of who he was, not a pimp, just a black man, you know, he, even in LA, he was not considered for more professional, even more professional sales jobs. And I said, this guy could sell ice to an Eskimo, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, this guy convinced scores of women to go have sex and bring him the money. Yeah. But he he wasn't making any inroads uh, for, the, for these more professional jobs, right? Um, and he was feeling defeated. You know, he's in his 40s. He doesn't look like he used to. And, and he's in a new city and a new, completely new world in terms of legit professions, right? And so he, like, confesses to Betty and he says that um, I ain't never ever going to be accepted in the white world and you also have to realize that you will never ever be accepted in the black world but you stand a better chance than I do because white men hate the fact that a black man is fucking one of their women they just don't do that so we will never be able to live anywhere except on the outskirts of the ghetto where there is a mixture of people and (sighs) It's kind of how it is for a while. Um, she has a kid, Robin Bell. He takes his mother's last name, Beck. Oh. So he was born Robert Maupin's, and he went by Lancaster Slim or Kavana- Kavanaugh Slim, and he changed his name. He took his, his... When his mother married Ural Beck...
1: Now you're saying Robert did. Robert took Beck. Not the child. Right. Yes. Robert
2: took Beck, and then Robin Bell, his his child that's not his he named robin bell after baby bell wow <laughs> so robin bell back oh dang. wow yeah so both like the surname and the middle name are both after the, some of the two most important people in his life yeah two totally opposite type of people yeah, but
1: yeah. yeah i would take party time so it would be john boy time fahey that'd be mine yeah yeah that's what it is now. Yeah, you said
2: it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I said it, man. Hey,
1: I never even thought about that.
2: Um, he gives Betty his mother's ring. <laughs> you can take the John boy out of <laughs> the party. You can take John out of
3: the boy,
1: but you yeah. can't. Uh-huh. What? Uh-huh. He's like, Dad, why is my middle name party? Like, In college, they're gonna love that. Just I'm prepping
0: you.
2: <laughs> um, it's really good. We have a friend who's, uh, they name their middle name, their baby's middle name is etc. Yeah.
1: That's
3: exactly
2: That's right. one of them. Yeah. yeah. That's friend of the show.
1: Friend of wonderful, the show.
2: Wonderful man. Um, he gives her, he gives Betty his mother's ring. Um, and then he, when, when, right when she was going to give birth to Robin, he had to go sell the ring to pay for the birth. Whoa. Really to
3: pay for the birth. Yeah, there's That's no That's the most American. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> you're, giving, you're giving, you're doing essential human mm-hmm. thing?
2: <laughs> hey, you uh, got a baby, didn't you? 15 months later. <laughs> 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 what are you complaining
1: about? Yeah. We gave it to you, didn't we? <laughs> we didn't take we it. We kept it I mean, here. we didn't <laughs> <couldn't> keep <laughs> <give> it underground where <laughs> they pushed the wheel.
2: <laughs> wish they could. <laughs> wish they could. <laughs> um, 15 months later, they have their own, they had a kid together, Camille. Um... They would then have a a couple other daughters down the road. Um, So this is the 60s now, right? So this is like
1: 64, Mm. 65. Wait, so all of of his kids are are women?
2: He has three daughters (laughs) with (laughs) Daddy. Oh, Jesus Christ. And he's like, could you imagine? dude. Dude,
1: dude. I can't... Dad, There's, what'd you... Dude, that, wait, there is, that is Aaron. That is... And
2: they're mixed race, too. And in the, in, in Pimpy talks about mixed yeah, race girls huh? yeah. being high commodity.
3: Wow. Dad, what'd you do in your 20s? I'm I, not going to tell you about that. uh oh. So...
0: <laughs> you, I was a it, priest. It's,
3: um... Huh?
2: It's... It's... He there. I'll I'll read it in the Patreon, but he he talks about you know being a pimp, having three girls, you know, all girls. Yeah, I mean his biological and, and children. And he, he's, I mean it's and just and amazing. He, he does. There's not a man in his life. I know. Yeah. And and again, I mean it's it's a wonderful poetic it is, because it he, is. He always was surrounded by women. Yeah. And now he is again, and ugh. so uh, it's it's, it's sixty five, and you know he's living in in South Central, right, and. Um, the Watts Riots happen, uh, and this is uh, gigantic, right? The Watts Riots is like a full-on yeah, oh, it's huge. And so he starts, you know, for the first time in his life, he has something to like fear for their safety, and um, he just gets really, really protective of them, and and, and really con- hyper-conscious of being seen out with these young mixed race girls like taking on the laundromat or whatever and he sees people, the way people stare at him and he's just like I can't I, you gotta take I, I just can't do it because I, I one I fear for their safety so that if anybody looks at me sideways like I might kill somebody you right.
3: know um, is he taking them where they live is it is it so, white? Is it black? It's a mixed race.
2: South Central. They live. Yeah, it's it, it, white flight had already happened or was happening at this point. So, like he said, you know, they live on the outskirts. So, where it's just kind of a mix of people.
3: So he's getting shit at the black laundromat for mixed race. Well, kids, I mean,
2: maybe. just any public place, he's gonna just get looked at by everybody. Everybody. It's an older yeah, I guess, black yeah, man that, uh, dressed uh, yeah. like a pimp. Yeah. yeah. With little white black, you know, mixed race girls. Yeah. It just, he, whether it's perceived or real for him, it makes him uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of people looking at the scene and going, Oh, I know what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And
2: you know, for a longest time he, he didn't tell Betty what he did and he would always say, I'll tell you that. But you know, by the time they had kids, she already knew, but you know, and he would, uh, you know, uh, detail the accounts of his brutality to her and then, she would be fascinated by it. And, and then eventually, he was telling these stories to his whole family. And like they were like, you know, for some time, we didn't even watch TV. We just watched our dad. Oh, my God. Telling these crazy stories. It's not just like, oh, I raped the bitch or what. I mean, right, right, just right. the crazy it shit. It took weeks right. for the
1: piss to come <laughs> yeah. out of my hair, man. And, and they <laughs> you kids will never live like that. You never know how good your daddy had it. Now, go wash up. <laughs> go wash your hair, you little piss-stained freaks, rats, crumb crushers.
2: <laughs> so he would like act it out and shit. And sometimes he'd have them play the roles. And like, it was just incredible. Don't judge me. D- Daddy, <laughs> you ain't nothing but a scurvy bitch. <laughs> That's right.
1: That's exactly right. Now
2: it's time for bed, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Into infinity. <laughs> so, um, you know, Betty would be like, this is fucking really good shit, man. You got to write this stuff down. Hmm. Yeah. he's like, I write on the ceiling, <laughs> I write <read> up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and I dance on the ceiling too. <laughs>
2: and she w- and and she was like, you could you could make this could be a book, you know, you could write this down. And he was like, ah. And so she's encouraging him to do this.
1: Mm. She's pimping him.
2: And um, <laughs> Betty May
3: Betty makes Hmm. you get out there and write a book. Oh,
2: (laughs) so I'll slap you. He would, he would go, he'd be, he would get wrapped up, like not, I want to say a trance, but he would reenact these things. He'd write on the ceiling for her and, but out loud, and she'd write it down.
3: Uh Oh, okay. There is a verbal quality to his writing. Yes,
2: yes. And 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 I'll tell you later he would be considered a better orator than even even as a good of a writer he was people that saw him speak in person yeah. said he was yeah. the
1: jazz like I was saying yeah. like did you hear it you go it's like so
2: good it's and so he he was like all right yeah well let's do this and he want he wanted to distinguish himself from uh, other black writers that were prominent at that time like James Baldwin.
1: I was just going to say Baldwin and he felt is definitely him. an influence on him.
2: Definitely, but he felt
1: in the speaking particularly on television. Yes, When you the, hear the, Baldwin, you hear some iceberg. You a, Yes.
3: Baldwin but, has there's the, he has this like this rhythm, there's yes, this
1: there's a but, rhythm. To but it. there's also a thing too of that both of them come from the perspective of in their writing. And I'm sorry to cut you off real quick, but I just think they share this thing which is like everybody has always told me I'm nothing. Yes. And I like fought my way up. That's what Baldwin left and, and just country. Just was like I am something, and this is an undeniable fact. And I am always like just replenished and renewed by knowing that this is true.
2: Yes, uh, and 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 Baldwin certainly paved the way, yeah. right? Because of wh- exactly what Iceberg criticized him for, which was he felt that James Baldwin wrote. For educated white audiences. Yeah, I would say Iceberg in right. a way he does too. He specifically wanted to distinguish himself from that, and he said he wanted to write for disadvantaged whites and blacks, and at a fifth grade level. Wow. Specifically, and it was just there was there had never been a voice like that, you know.
3: Um, well, because usually in, they don't say right down. Usually they say right right up, up right, right up, yeah. Right.
2: Um, that's why he was writing on the ceiling, Ah. writing on his own.
1: That's
3: why I was
2: writing on the ceiling. Um, and he also wanted to, um, kind of model it, model this book, whatever it was going to be, um, after his hero, Malcolm X, who also was a Detroit pimp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and his autobiography had just come out about a year before. Wow. Um, And he, this was also kind of therapeutic for him because he wanted to expose the, this, this, this world, this underworld of poisonous pimps exploiting their own community.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a, um, it's like you're doing, it's a morally downward economy. Yeah. No one wins. And and
2: it's it's going, and it's doing the uh, oppressive establishment's work for them.
1: Yes, it's showing everybody that we live in hell. Without the caveat that you gave us nowhere else to live. Yeah, and 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 who
3: are most and nothing of the, else to do. Yeah, who, who are most of the customers? The customers are the people white that are, white white are that white are men. keeping you and actively he, he, keeping he, you in And he that directs position.
2: his his women to specifically only fuck white guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, he they they put together this this manuscript. You know, he um he pitches it to this one uh, this one professor publisher guy and he, he just gets this he reads the contract and it's all like, oh 50/ 50 split all that stuff and then he goes, and then I read that there was like there was one little caveat in the end that negated the rest of the contract and I was like, "Fuck this." And so he kind of abandons the plan for a minute And he, they do a little more tinkering with him Betty on the, on the, the manuscript and then he reads an ad in in the Sentinel. Which is LA's black newspaper, and it's uh, it's an ad by Holloway House. Mm. And Holloway House was this uh, publisher that actually <coughs> was a direct result of the reforms made after the Watts riots. Wow! And it was this little publishing house run by these Jewish guys. And the ad in the paper said, "Black writers needed. We're looking for black writers that have riveting stories about the black experience." And he submitted a short scene. Um, little 20-pager thing, which okay. was actually the the beginning of the book that I read to you. Yeah. Where, you know, being a pig for snorting cocaine and yeah. uh, we're humping our asses off. Yeah. It's nasty whore asses. You got enough battery there, Matt? Oh, we're good. Okay. And it's still to be sold to a white audience. White and black. Sure. No, for yeah. sure. I mean, especially <clears throat> when you consider where, where they eventually get sold. But, you know, they submit a short scene and... He um, goes back to uh, goes home and, and, and they're working on they're working he's working on the rest of the the manuscript of Betty and he's like you know I gotta protect some of these names you know so that's he changes Betty Baby Bell to Sweet Jones mm. and um, there's a few other names why get why Baby Bell if Baby Bell's dead he, the code no shit wow good for him and even his own and he uh you know he he. He's like, well, I am even, even gonna change my own name. And he this conversation he has with Betty about, you know, you gotta be when you're doing the pimp thing, you gotta be ice, you gotta be cold. And she says, like an iceberg. Mm-hmm. She says, That's it. And she's the one that comes up with the name Iceberg Slim. Get the fuck out. Betty made comes wow, up with Iceberg that's Slim. That's cool. Get out. Cause he went as Lancaster Slim or Slim Lancaster and Kavanaugh Slim. But iceberg. is from, is Betty. from Betty. Wow. Um
1: and Betty was a good-looking lady. Um, burger the, broad. Burger, yeah. Burger baby. Yeah, she's a burger. Now how did the Burger Baby come out? <laughs> what? Well done?
2: Ground. <laughs> I mean, there's a picture of her in here.
3: What were the topics?
2: Well, I'll, I'll, show, I'll show you guys a picture later. Now she looks all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> God, I mean she's in the documentary The v- iced tea produced uh, uh, She's got like different color eyes She's smoking fucking Marlboro Red Sounds mm, really rough More like Freddie Jackson <laughs> <laughs> She looks like Betty's shoe <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's so stupid uh,
2: So He goes to their office After after they meet it they Tell him to come into the offices And uh, it's on Melrose Nice. And they offer him a contract on the spot. They give him a fifteen hundred dollar advance. Hey, all right. He goes back and, and he finishes it. One hundred thousand word. You know, it's it's for one hundred thousand words. Now, uh, what year is this? Nineteen. Uh, well, it's sixty six, and it gets published in sixty seven. Okay, so fifteen hundred dollars. Oh, it's big. It's big deal. Yeah, sure. big deals. And um, it's published in sixty seven. The first year, this first year, it doesn't sell well. Um, and that's that's partly because. Holloway House is basically a pulp publisher. Hmm. It's paperbacks, shit like that. And they vampire down the street. Basically. And they their books were sold in newsstands, local bookstores, liquor stores, barbershops, yeah. you know, it's I
3: wish liquor stores still sold books because that would be
1: no, Oh, you wouldn't have oh, to
3: go yeah. anywhere. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One-stop shop. No, but really.
2: Just cash checks. Just the just the, just the choice of books <laughs> yes, they'd have
1: would be amazing. would be like, "Oh, you're a fucking degenerate. <laughs> you you Find it? every
2: You know what? You can find There's a few in the city you can find. Oh, really? That will, you you can see some paperbacks. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. You, but uh, literally, a few. I'm not,
1: I'm not talking about adult DVDs. It's not an adult bookstore, dude. Uh,
3: I'm not talking uh, about two wongs make a white. Uh,
1: John, you can take the book
3: out of a liquor store, but you can't take liquor store out of the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true.
2: I don't get it. <laughs> so uh, they tried to promote the book by a few different means, right? So um, they tried taking out sensationalist ads in the newspaper, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Pimp's Secret Life. Uh, br- the brutal reality of a sexual jungle. Oh. Uh, uh, oh see. They, they sent him on speaking engagements at colleges, uh, booking him on talk shows like uh, Louis Lomax, Dick Cavett Show. Okay. De- get the fuck okay. out. He was on, on Dick They got him on Dick Oh, that's so good. But it was I his appearance in 68 on the Joe Pine Show. Joe, Joe Pine? It, this is what got him in the public eye. He he was there to promote a second book, actually trick baby, which is kind of an unofficial sequel. Trick baby is a very interesting. It's, it's a, like trick, a novel. It's called, yeah, it's another, it's another semi autobiography, uh, but okay. it's, it's not from his point of view. Oh. Trick baby, the story of a white Negro. Um, trick baby is the story of a character named white folks. And he is, yeah, a character named white folks. And in the, in this, in the book, he meets back in prison. And so the, the, Trick Baby picks up where Pimp left off, basically. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and uh, he's called White Folks because he's passing. And it, wow. it's about him kind of escaping the oppression of being a black man. By and, having passing and by, complexion. By passing. Yeah, yeah. And then it gets, dude, it gets up in it. And the climax of the book is fucking... I, he... Is it, it based like, on a real person or no? It is based on a real person, but the story So he really does
1: now he's, he's just a straight up author. Like he's yes, doing it. Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, so he's there to promote that book. Um he, he's a black hustler, right? White folks is a black hustler who passes, and he uh the, the climax of the book is crazy. He's at this like white high society dinner, and he's like pretty much forced to take part in this debate between a racist and white co- southern cop. And a liberal white capitalist, and they, <laughs> dude, that sucks. Let me read you, fucking dude. I mean, he's not really taking part in the debate. He's kind of just like watching it happen. Mm-hmm. Folks, we got a debate here. It's not between us. Uh, racist. <laughs> and a you know, there were a lot of capitalist. there were a lot of white passing novels at the time, but nothing like this. And uh, that's so interesting. <clears throat> What'd you do, dude? I'm having trouble with my stiff swipe. You
1: really don't understand the mechanics. Nope. I mean, it's long, but it's not
3: thick. So
2: he's um.
1: Dude, I hate this. Here, one. Uh,
3: twist that, <laughs> twist that knob, twist that knob there, and then that'll loosen. Twist it so it loosens that the the that middle and shaft, then and then tighten it. Tighten the middle shaft. Nope. Yeah.
2: Oh. And tighten is
3: Isn't that nice?
2: See how I'm working the hot black <laughs> shaft. Watch me work the shaft. This is not working the way. No, you got
1: to go right. the other way. Yeah.
2: Righty tighty, bro.
1: Yeah, but you're not going right. Oh, I'm going right this way. It's that way. Can we edit this out? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. In the middle yeah, in the middle of the, the This is the thing that. Yeah, said, I'll, add, yeah, yeah.
3: The, I'll, I'll cut it every the, says the can pimp we get an episode <laughs> where
1: you don't know how to work the black
2: shaft? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I, we'll, I'm we'll the edit one that who out. pimps. Not
1: I am the one who pimps. <laughs> you can take the black shaft out of air. So now this is
2: from Trick Baby. This is from Trick Baby, uh, the novel that he's there to promote on the Joe Pine show. Right? Because he had a multi book contract with, with <laughs> Holloway House. Do I need a snap? No, because <laughs> I'm about to. <laughs> I'm about to break. <laughs> um, he's forced forced to witness and participate in this debate, this, bait, this mm. debate between, like I said, a white racist police chief and a mm. liberal white capitalist, as they say.
3: Yes, very um, cool. Oh, the most
2: liberal. Oh, oh, still the same. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's sure, but very the different. Is how cla- they cast you? Different class of people here, and different mm. two sides of yeah, yeah. of society, and the debate is over the so-called nigra problem
3: i mean that framing right there is uh, an issue <laughs> it's
2: problematic each man lays out his orwellian solution fantastic uh the police uh, uh, the, his orwellian solution to the to the uh, political black struggles at the time mm. the police chief his solution is to batter black protesters and civil rights advocates using force doled out by racist white, pol- racist white policemen. That's,
3: That's what he knows.
2: And he says, I've known uh, since my rookie policeman days that they, uh, blacks, uh, steal, rape, whore, pimp, and murder because they are basically criminally inclined. They are derived from inferior loins.
3: They still think the that. The
2: capitalist ideas are worse. He reveals a, quote, master plan to separate educated African-American leaders from the black masses in order to neutralize them. I still believe that. There are really two ghettos, he says. One is physical, the other is psychological. Mm. Now it is true that we have selected certain blacks to wear white collars. Almost all of them do make physical escapes from the ghetto, with our assistance, of course. <laughs> Thanks, Bank of America. Our motives are first to give dramatic, well-publicized reinforcement to our liberal image. Secondly, those... Whom we seem to liberate are precisely those type of... Who possess rare intellect and academic polish. We have to remove them from the seething black masses. They still think that. This book is fucking wild. Yeah. I'm listening to it now.
1: It's no, fun. I would say that it's still basically when I said the same thing. Uh, I think that its the attitudes are, are almost that, where... There is uh, a very uh, stupid uh, racist class, and then there is a very classist class. Yeah, there's a classist racism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yes. As far, as, as, racism
2: as, is, a, is a lazy form of classism. Uh, it's it's very low level, shallow uh, he, classism. Yes, and the more educated
1: liberal would have the sense to, of course, realize that uh, there are people that can uh, uh adapt. You can
2: exploit anybody of any color. Yes. Yeah. Mm, yeah, a- yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and in this and, and one, both are nefarious, right? And this is kind of about that. I mean, granted, this is from the 70s or whatever, but, but it it's is, really
1: right on, it's yeah. dead on.
2: And the whole book is about all the different cons that Trick Baby does as a hustler. And then, as he cons his way up the ranks of, of white society, he realized what the real con is white racism. Because it, it, it goes just oh, they, they're conning us into conning each other.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, the, from both the, sides. No. Uh, completely. 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 And uh, I've said it on the show before, but the cruelest thing, uh, from my white privileged perspective, is uh, the turning of black people on each other about how to deal with us. Well, it's like you know uh,
2: that's the meanest. Yeah, divide and conquer. I mean, uh, d- yeah. it, and it happens. You know, it, it happens in every place it can. Yes, of course. Every. Um, and so one can empathize with uh, the black struggle.
3: Yeah. Yeah, they, they, oh, to bla- a degree. B- black on black crime. we are like, be, but white people, white are still. Yeah. 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 You, wait, were you going to dismiss what the white people are doing yeah, because yeah. of quote black on black crime? Yeah.
2: yeah you it, know, it, it's just, just, it's just crime. It, and, it, and, and it's all, and it's to, it's to take away focus on the real crimes being perpetrated upon all of us. Yes. Um,
3: I th- I think you know listening to you know what they're saying. I, the only thing that has changed now, I think, is that poor white people uh, are probably lumped in a little bit as well. Or maybe they always lumped were. in in what way? Would in the in the way that the they're part of the 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 unwanted group as well. Cops cops, I feel like. Um, yeah.
2: No. Yes. They. I mean, you saw that four years ago, right? Uh, the 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 white the retaliation of the uneducated poor white person in, at the ballot box
3: yeah but, but yeah but, but i think uh you know th- there's this uh teaching among cops the guy like you know there's this guy that goes around the country teaching cops at uh, how to how to deal with people and he 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 says you know they are there's three groups there's wolves you're the wolf or no, the wolf is the criminal. Mm-hmm. There's the sheep and the sheep herder. And you're the sheep herder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everybody the cop is supposed to protect is the sheep. Yep. Doesn't matter who they are. Right. And then the wolf is anybody you think is bad. You have to fucking kill the wolf. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And usually the wolf means someone who's not white.
2: Right. But there's right. all sorts
3: of... Wolf. But for the capitalist, sometimes the uh, poor white is is also a, a, a part of the mark, too.
2: Yeah, and that, in that book illustrates the... <laughs> As he as he's cons his way up to the top, he sees the most nefarious con of all. And it's not even the white police chief. Yeah. It's the so-called liberal white absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's really,
3: it's, I mean. It's, it's the Gavin Newsom. Yeah,
2: I mean, he's got nice hair, though.
3: Uh, yeah, he was only married to an insane woman.
2: Yeah, well, she went out insane after she left that beautiful head of hair, dude. <laughs> when. Wake up, shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. you're So being, You're being a wolf right So now. he's on the show to promote this book, his second book. Joe Pine. Yeah. He's on the Joe Pine.
3: Joe Pine. I've never heard and, of Joe Pine.
2: Yeah.
3: Have you ever heard of Joe Pine? No. Mm-mm. So... <laughs> Dick Cavett, Joe Pine.
2: He, um... Betty makes this mask for him to go on the show. And it is fucking weird looking, dude. But
1: what, what, what do you what, what do you mean? It like it's
2: kind of like protect, you know, the other physical mask, a physical mask. Yeah, okay. And it's you know maybe maybe protect his identity, kind of adding to the allure of the kind of a tell all situation. Oh, that's cool. And it's black fabric, and it's sewn over dark goggles, and it looks like um a gas mask doing minstrel blackface. It's really weird looking, mm. and it was.
3: This is like the puffy shirt from. The Sun.
2: next morning, people mob Pickwick books in Hollywood, and they sold out. Wait, so it worked? It, worked.
3: it
1: was the mask.
2: You think? I think so. Jesus. uh Every copy of the book was sold out. Phone calls flooded Holloway House office. Um, Probably just del-
1: deliberately lo- looking like a villain. <laughs> yeah. He got his own Doctor Doom mask. Because that's
2: what I when I first saw, it, I was like, "Oh, amazing, Doctor!" But it's also this like. It's not necessarily villainy. It is also like, in a way, hi- I'm hiding my identity, and make- that makes it interesting. But it's also in a weird way, way reappropriating the minstrel, blackface image. Because yeah, I'll show you yeah, the picture, yeah. and
1: also the dark side of human nature, right? The one that the one the wants to go and get a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's is it, part of so, it, too? It,
2: it I think it was such a master stroke by Betty. Yeah, be- on really so many levels.
1: Betty's running the operation. Betty's the pimp. What? No, but she's nice. No, she is. She. Had and yeah. he, he, was, he was her burger. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't have anything to do with Dr. Cheeseburger that got him back with his mom. Yeah, Dr. Doomburger. Dr. Plebburger. What was his name? Pleb? Pleb? Dr. Uh, Chunk Beagle. Yeah. Well, that guy was good.
3: <laughs> Can't believe we did both these episodes in one night. <laughs> <laughs>
2: in a few years' time. Pimp would sell millions of copies, making him the most popular black author in the country.
1: Wow! And that's Baldwin still alive. This is this is 66, 65? Six, 68.
3: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, sixty
1: eight. So then, when is when is uh, when is X killed?
3: Uh, 65 yeah, sixty five. Yeah,
2: yeah. X is dead. Uh, I think 67.
3: So yeah, but MLK and Bobby Kennedy sixty eight. Yeah, and, I think Malcolm X. is one more. There's yeah. one more in sixty eight, isn't there? Um.
2: Uh, yeah, everybody uh, died there.
3: Well, the I spruce think. goose crashes, and that's really devastating.
1: Um, that's so, <laughs> R.I.P.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, I read you that bit from Trick Baby. Uh, it it like pimp uh, also kind of ends on this, you know,
1: uh, the biter, sour note.
2: Bittersweet, mm. bittersweet. Uh, no, and and it ends with there are only two kinds of people in this world: grifters and suckers. Damn. And uh, so, anyways, his fame grows in the late sixties, and he cultivates this persona in L.A. Um, and he and he kind of started to see himself as a spokesperson for Black urban America. Um, and, he, and he really, I mean, he's just a totally different person than than in the when he was pimping in thirty. I mean, he joined he joined the L.A. chapter of Operation Breadbasket, which was started by M.L.K. and they, it had just started its L.A. branch when he was killed mm. around this time, uh, he gave, gave lectures every Saturday, uh, joined the open door program, which was an outgrowth of the Watts writers workshop, which was a response to the Watts. riots. He got involved in the performing arts society of Los Angeles. I mean, like he would memorize, uh, I'm sorry, mesmerize audiences with his lectures, um, for on like a million different topics, uh, history of the Puritans Theories of sexual repression and violence in contemporary society, uh, and the economics of the sex trade, like these, I'm going to get some of these lectures on the, uh, yeah, I'll have one. Um, thank you. And, and, um, was it, uh, was it Chester? It was uh, another, um, uh, a black author would say after seeing him, thank you, uh, speak, he said that uh, unbelievably, uh, he was a better speaker than he was writer. Yeah, because um, he was just so animated, and like you said, there was this jazz thing about it.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's something a to it.
2: Also, that's how this podcast
1: started. It was my friend telling me I was bad at writing? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh,
0: he,
1: he, was, uh, he was You're more of a talker Yeah Writer, talker You know, pond is good for you <laughs> <laughs> He said pod is good for you Pod is <laughs> Pod is good for you That's funny He um, it was very good He would uh, <laughs> Very good It only
3: took pod. only took an hour and a half But I got one No, school or pod Pod <laughs> is good for you um,
2: At the end of his lock, lectures He would often get like mobbed yeah. Um he um you know he, he started writing more and more. Um after after Trick Baby. Um and he said that uh <laughs> I mean he was just really intense, right? And he, he said that writing is better than pimping. <laughs> in fact, it's better than being a doctor or a lawyer. I don't have to go to court. I don't have to go to the hospital to perform an operation. I have no equipment, man. Look, I don't even need paper. I'll write on the walls. All of my equipment is in my noggin. And another thing, writing has been a wonderful boon for me psychologically. The vacuum of ego that existed when I could no longer pimp has been filled most adequately. It's Pippin work. And he was, when he was writing a book, he was writing 16 hours a day. Missed meals, ignored his kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> would go several days without bathing. Um, and he would always, I mean, he was always hassling Betty. Like, I need you to help me. Like, he just really, really depended on Betty. Um, and, and, and loved her um but sometimes it get a bit a bit much uh
1: well we get a bit much
2: his intensity and in focus and drive mm.
3: um so so that kind of like pimp energy would pimp go, energy, but, yeah. Would, pimp would, energy would go towards writing and yeah. sometimes that meant he would uh be kind of short
2: yeah and just you know crossed. not just forget that his kids were in the fucking room you yeah. know um he uh Um, they moved. Uh, they they were coming up a little bit, you know, because he, he's got a contract to at these books. Sure. Uh, they moved to a uh, two bedroom house, and oh, uh, right. he, he bought a forty eight Lincoln Continental. Always, which, a, always a forty eight. Is it's always like a. F- I mean, it was like it, it's reminiscent of his time. Yeah, I, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, There were a few other ones. There was a forty seven uh, back then, but the forty eight Lincoln Continental was like a boat with a V twelve engine. Like, oh, a forty eight Lincoln. Oh, no shit. It's okay. a V twelve. Yeah. It's a beast. I drink V eight. Oh, he wrote uh, his third novel, Mama Black Widow, which was uh, also revolutionary. It um it focused on a um, Wilson and in, in this black queen hustler. Like this is the first time I really had a, it focused on like a homosexual. No cool. way! Yeah. Wow! Yeah! It's Whoa. Um, That's fucking cool, man! Yeah. Um, and he also in. I think it was during this book that he kind of started reconciling this we, the weird sexual homosexual dynamic of of prostitute and pimp. Like the withholding of sex, the being prettier than your whores thing. And um And
1: then the, that was a homosexual dynamic.
2: Yeah. So he says, like, I gotta find it here. Um you know, although he did not identify as gay himself, he acknowledged that there was a certain fluid sexuality in the pimping profession that had prepared him for the writing of Mama Black Widow. I've always suspected, even in my own case, that one of the elements of attraction is that a woman in the life, pimping or whoring, can somehow have her lesbian tendencies gratified, her latent homosexuality gratified by the pimp's latent homosexuality. By the dandy, daddy. Mm-hmm. Is that my name?
1: <laughs> you are the dandy daddy <laughs> That's uh, the that Yeah the next time Yeah, yeah you're the dandy daddy her,
2: her latent homosexuality Gratified by the Pimp's latent homosexuality By the female quotient In his personality
1: mm. Yeah and, and yeah The fanciness of, of dress You're right Yeah uh, Being I being, mean he,
2: he would You know he would go Put on makeup Yeah that remember is, in that in the first, remember that? Yeah, you're getting your hair done. You're getting your nails done. You've got your yes. You go to the salon a lot. That's where his mom met Steve. Yeah, he was getting his nails done when he picked her up. Yeah, wow. So this I mean, just this, this incredible insight. Yeah, you know that allowed him. To, and also saying, and it, also it's very progressive. He's, he's a black man writing oh, it's, about
1: it's, it's saying it then. Yeah, because the other side of that is you have fucking Gore Vidal doing. You know His, his fucking like well,
2: Not acknowledging
1: Transgender uh, shit Like you know Like in, in novel form At the time And that was That that was That was edgy as fuck From a, a, educated Educated white men Yeah
2: high, And high society well, I, Like I guess high Think so,
1: about it, like Ginsberg
3: Ginsberg too right
2: yeah, but that was beat, and that, that was, was almost beat. black. You're right,
3: you're right. Yeah, sure, sure, sure.
2: And uh, they uh, they had more in common than he had with Vidal.
3: Mm, yeah.
2: Ginsburg and and iceberg. Mm-hmm. Well, they should yeah. the, the Bergs. They're both Jews. <laughs> yeah, <they're> both chosen. <laughs> uh, um, mm-hmm. iceberg, Ginsburg. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really I like that. <laughs>
1: uh, so you got to be on gin, baby. <laughs> you got to be ginned up. To do To support Nambla Which is what I do So I'm thinking I'll call myself Ginsberg Al <laughs> What? I'm really glad we did this all one night
2: Man, I really hate you Yeah um,
1: He did support Nambla
3: What's So,
2: this? yeah, well, you know It was a different time <laughs> It
1: was a different time It was quite a different time By
2: 1971 he had sold over 2 million books People knew him on the street They'd stop him on the street Follow him around He used Um, to do that He wrote The Naked Soul of Iceberg Slim Um, A collection of Essays and Vignettes and um, Personal deliberations Mm. Um, I think he modeled it After The Soul of the Black Man um, he wrote of America as a kind of prison In in that book um, I'm just pulling up a couple things here uh, You know he starts Becoming more political uh, More overtly 68, 69 Revolution, 71 71, yeah. fair enough And uh, in, in, you know because of the time 68,
1: 69 Oh god right? dude I mean you can't even count everything that's going on Then um, I mean, 68 was such an insane Time and he really? it was through 69 and
3: then you know, the, some
2: of these essays are um, so much, yeah. called rapping about the pimp game racism and the black revolution which is dude this one's actually really good it's uh, about the over overvaluation of white female sexuality dude this one is nuts
3: over, over evaluation
2: overvaluation over okay. so um as he as he writes in um hmm. The Naked Soul of Iceberg Slim, which is modeled after W.E.B. Du Bois' The Souls of Black Folk. That's what it was modeled after. And James Baldwin's The Fire next time. Um, He characterizes America as a kind of prison. and uh, (laughs) Dude, it's fucking nuts. Um, Over the course of 15 chapters, he weighs in on a range of topics, including the history of lynching, the potential for black revolution... Uh, the social and psychological causes of pimping, the class divide in America, Western standards of beauty and racism in the prison system. Um, a lot of stream of consciousness stuff in there. He didn't, you know, he just kind of was doing a lot of exploration of his own writing style.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: Um, in, in The Naked Soul of Iceberg Slim, um, in his essay, Racism and the Black Revolution, he hypothesizes that pimping is the result of the overvaluation of white female sexuality. What he calls the, quote, mythic white super cunt. John, <laughs> <laughs> you'd be called that. Yeah. <laughs> Not only was the sanctity of white womanhood used it as a convenient excuse to lynch black men beginning in the late 19th century.
3: Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
2: Tell that Emmett Till. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you don't have to. Uh the white woman as the exclusive measure of beauty is carried over into the 20th century in television, movies, magazines, and other forms of consumer culture. As a consequent, he, consequence, Beck theorizes, the black woman is more susceptible to the false charms of the pimp. Especially during his, his time. Sure, yeah. Not yeah. so much now or when he wrote it, but at that time. Because she is an overshadowed underdog essentially deprived of the chance to win herself a dependable, desirable man and thereby security and a sense of self-esteem. She is an easy mark for the gaudy black pimp and his, his hypnotic castles in the sky. Wow. Ironically, this dynamic promoted by white racist thought also motivates the very same race to seek out the black prostitute. So this is the stuff that he's kind of repurposing from baby bell.
1: Yeah. It's the mythic, the, other.
2: the embodiment of taboo. Yeah.
1: yeah, taboo. Just
2: he witnessed many white men secretly leaving their ideal suburban lives to troll the streets in the black ghetto in search of the very thing they supposedly despised most. He says, the sadistic guilt overwhelms his hatred for the black race. The racist submits his quivering body to beatings and and feces of the black woman, eagerly, joyously. He roots his ecstatic nose into a black cunt to stain himself, punish himself. Mm -hmm. With balls near bursting, he will leave pleasant (laughs) nests. And the alabaster super cunt. In suburbia, to comb the booby-trapped ghetto for a black female object, his instrument of torture. Yeah. yeah. How do you say such nasty shit? It sounds so good. It is nasty. And I know, like, I keep reading, I know I'm, like, quoting obsessively from the books but like it's just no, 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 such it, a unique is, style is, that I a, can't help but
1: is, and I would say furthermore that that, that, that attitude and that uh thing of, of, of the fetishization still very much leads its way to white racism today mm-hmm. where the people will Definitely. say like oh they get too much and it's like you you think they get too much because you, you fetishize re- them. And we had yeah. this, and this, and this conversation you, the other night. Yes. And, and, and you feel like... you And you're jealous that you don't have the excuse. You're jealous that you don't have a cause. And you're also jealous. You don't have a or an identity. You don't have an identity because you don't have a cause. You have a boring fucking white suburban lifestyle. And
2: whiteness is not an identity, right? No, Irish. You know they have. They say, oh, "Well, why isn't there like a white pride?" Well, dude, well, there's fucking. There's uh, light. The America. Yeah, there's San Gennaro's festival. There's a yeah. million white festivals, but you just don't know which one. Is Fourth, the, Fourth
1: of July is white. Pride. Sure, uh, right. but it is that thing too where whiteness is not an there, identity. There's yes. people. There's people thinking that. Uh Oh man if I had it black I'd be so easy Because I would have such a snug little identity oh, yeah. And you go like no no. no 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 You'd be worried about your son getting shot in the street Every day by the police because it's a very real threat and then when they complain about it by politely kneeling at a football game, you completely lose your fucking so mind. So what else do you let them do? And but, yeah, yeah, and and it's just like this whole thing about control and envy and insanity, and the whole time. And, and it is the black person is the exact same person as you, uh-huh. just wishing to be dealt with a little bit of dignity. Yeah. yeah, and that's all it is.
2: And to your point about the modern fetishization, the number one fucking porn searches in the South are all fucking. Black cuckold yeah. shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Always. Yeah. By white people. Fetish. You sick. Me? Exclusively amateur. And here's the thing if. <laughs> what? Shut up. Wait, what? Nothing.
1: <laughs> if,
3: if- uh, I, I'm,
2: glad, <laughs> I'm
1: glad in the middle of this great discussion about race, you're like, and kind of
2: shit, I, <laughs> I know what I'm into. <laughs>
1: um, so but i but
3: i i also want to say that uh, if you if they who's they the the people searching for those things uh-huh you if you. they were <laughs> if i if i was taught that it's not a big deal that would that would change the once the stigma can be changed that, it it's not a stigma in that but way anymore. But it still anymore. is hot. Yeah, it's always going to be hot because sex is hot. It is. There's no cold sex. I don't like it. I mean, even, even in Antarctica, I they say. I frown upon it.
1: Even in Antarctica?
3: They say there's no cold sex there, John. You're joking me. Wow. I don't, you know, I'm not the expert here. You can so, just tell from the <laughs> drunken statements I'm making now.
2: You guys are not experts. <laughs> Sexperts.
3: Thank yeah. you. Bervers. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, yeah. You. Thank you.
2: So um I, I I really loved that little breakdown and.
3: Yeah, we nailed it. Yeah, you're uh, right. You're right. Thank you.
2: So <laughs> then you know it's t- uh, the table the thing tide changes a little bit here. Um he starts noticing that his royalty checks are light and Uh-oh. vague getting skimmed. And he's like what the fuck is this? I'm doing all the work. I'm not getting any of the money.
1: No, Aaron, I what? do not like where this is going. He's getting, Aaron, this is freaking me out. Tell me what this is freaking you out.
2: He's, he's getting like $800 checks like once every couple months. As a
1: millionaire, or a million, and,
2: million books and, selling off. Because at the same time, like Holloway house is saying, oh, m- millions of books being sold. And he's like, I can't feed my kids right now.
3: He's getting fucked and he's not getting, he's paid. getting screwed
2: out of Royal. He's yeah. doing all the work. Yeah. And not getting any money. Yeah. He's getting pimped. Mm hmm. And the
1: Holloways were an Irish family. Is that no, right? No no, no, no,
2: no, It was Jews. Oh, did he do that? Huh? Are, you, are you anti-Semitic, John? Well, no. no, no, no. He's, a, he's anti-Irish. Well, you know, good luck in this town. Um, <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> so So, honestly, he goes back to hustling a little bit. He starts selling, like, he gets empty TV boxes and puts bricks in them and starts selling empty TV boxes to people. What? Yeah, he's because he's of TV. got mouse to feed. He's got mouse to oh, feed. Jesus. He then so then he finds out he's getting like really fucked by Holloway House, like. No, like the 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 the, the, the pay stubs they send him are a fucking joke.
3: So this is a house that is established to to like <laughs> quote unquote bring uh, uh, it's a bring publishing a, company, bring up black writers after the Watts riots, but really at the end of the day, it's like the well
2: these... they they were members of this workshop that was funded by some of the uh, you know the reforms that were and made. they're ripping
3: they to... off the people that they were going to promote
2: basically. Yeah, yeah. God, fuck it's just... so. It's a fucking... He well, you
1: know what the good thing is? That never happened in the record industry.
2: You gotta say <laughs> that. Yeah.
1: And at least that never happened there. Yeah. It, at least it was exclusively in book writing. And that's
2: right. Jews and blacks working together. Thankfully,
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hey, music was always above this.
2: Um He, uh...
3: Every industry.
2: <laughs> you know, the the typewriter that... The, the vintage typewriter that Betty bought at, like, the Salvation Army broke down and they had harassed the fucking company to give them another one. Um. So Jesus. he... It ordered. got so bad that he was really—I mean, like I said—he had to hustle again. Yeah. And so he wrote. No. He wrote them, and it is. Pay- Holloway. And he wrote Holloway, and he fucking excoriated yeah. them. And um. He he in like kind of real he's you know he finds himself the victim of the same exploitation that he had perpetrated on countless women over the years, right?
1: It's poignant poignant? Yeah, like with the three daughters. What? Poignant.
2: So, Holloway House never really uh came correct on that. Ever. But,
1: but Oh, you a fly-by-night publishing company. <laughs> no, no, no,
2: no, 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 but I mean, fly-by. You know, they just basically they they ignored him, right? Uh and he was still struggling, but Universal Studios bought the rights to trick baby for twenty-five grand. Damn. And they made a movie.
3: They made they, ex- they did make They a
2: movie. made a movie. It was right after uh uh Martin Van Peebles made Sweet Sweetbacks Badass oh. on No way. The wow. first true black exploitation movie, yeah. which was inspired by the success yeah. of Pimp Years Of course, of course. Uh also in Sweet Sweetbacks Badass On is uh, Mario Van Peebles as a young boy who mm-hmm. plays a young sweet sweetback. Um has sex with a grown woman in it. Uh as you do. And so that you know, you it's can find back you then. can yeah. see that, oh shit, this genre is gonna take off. So they by the way it's trick baby. Uh it's made as a movie. Um and it's for the first time, you know, now they got some money. Like he bought, bought Betty like a mink coat. Ooh. Uh oh my God. and they go on um their first family vacation. They get an R V. And they drive up and down the state You know They'll go to San Diego And they go to Disneyland Oh my god dude I I fucking
1: Dude that is the American dream to me So so check it out I love
2: it He packs it Packs it with all his outfits and shoes (laughs) He never leaves the RV
1: What? He stays in it everywhere they go
2: you gotta get inside, dude. He stays in the. I mean, <laughs> this mean, is, is him staying in dude. his pimp's apartment. Yeah, yeah. But he it's never. He's got an entire wardrobe with him. What if I could pimp everywhere?
1: Hey, how about this? I have crocodile shoes, and there's crocodiles outside. I don't think I'm going out there. What are they gonna do? Eat what my are they shoes? Gators. Gators. <laughs> they're the gonna eat fuck my oh, yeah. shoes. <laughs> he went not eat the crocodile.
3: They're gonna goose so my shoes. So then
2: he starts. You know, this is kind of stressful. You know, they're making more money what the fuck? For, on on Betty. Oh. Okay. Your fucking father's just staying in the fucking RV. I'm taking Eat? you guys around to the bathroom at Disneyland He's <laughs> fucking-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Your father's in the fucking RV. Yeah, Yeah, what?
2: you going to drag me around? <laughs>
1: going to get stuck in
2: So, um he grows apart from Betty, he starts hanging out at jazz clubs again. Some people say he started pimping again, but that there's no justification for that and even his daughter's like, "No fucking way. He he was over that." He Yeah, yeah, no, he's He still he... loved my mom. He yeah. just was weird. Like just he just around, Yeah. He just became like he just liked being alone. That's he got a little, he got a little midlifey. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's at this point, he's you know even older than that. But yeah, he got that. Curmud- oh yeah, in black
1: man years, he's, he's yeah, 167. He's, he's getting yeah.
2: curmudgeon-y a little bit, but mm. he still liked going to hang out with his people, right? So he goes and he's hanging out at these jazz clubs. He's, he's he starts meeting um, more kind of famous in the scene people. He and he still has the urge to create and have his voice heard. And, you know, he, he has that book of essays and then, you know, he also has this, his, you know, a history with the the pimp toasts. And so he meets and befriends, uh, jazz legend, um, uh, uh, red, uh, Holloway. Mm-hmm. Not of the Holloway house, but just Red Holloway. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Hopefully not.
2: And they record... Hey, a book? He records an album he re- called Reflections.
3: Is it, is it, is it like uh, he's talking? Over music. Yeah. He's
2: rapping yeah. over music.
3: Well, it's like Whitey on the Moon.
2: No, it's uh, tracks like The Fall, in parentheses, The Game, uh, Broadway Sam, Mama Debt. Part one and part two. And this is in 76, a full year or two before Rapper's Delight or The Message Ooh. by Grandmaster Flash and oh, Sugarhill Gang, and Grandmaster Flash, respectively. I'm so I'm going to play for you a part one of Mama Debt," And this is in 76. And... <laughs>
0: Since I was just a boy, I punished hoes with sick joy. For pimping, I've been to the joint. And that ain't ha ha. Up that way, I heard a shrink say, Son, it appears to me you hate your mama. Tweeted, I want to be fair Can't I make it up somewhere From the start He sighed You've mugged her heart You've lived Like Satan's pit I bet nobody Can pay a mom debt Whoa i yell Back to the cell I was winding up an ace. My cell had space like a casket. Shortly, a hack showed with his basket. He brought a letter from Ray in L.A. This is the news bro. Ray had to tell. All of us here wish you well. We are crying, cause Ma is dying. She's moaning your name, praying you ain't no late, and wishing you'd get here, for she passes. Pally, don't galley there with them foul ho asses. (laughs) Don't arrive late. Don't jive with Ma's fate. I felt like a triple-double-crosser. I could have killed grinning Heck Rossa to la that week i got a one-way ticket poor ma's hair was a snow white thicket before ma opened her eyes i thought my ticker would cease ma was playing possum to shoot me through hot grease i heard a titter Ma's voice was bitter You got here Ain't you mama's precious dear I got good news Ma I said I threw away my long shoes Ma, I ain't shucking I'm tired of joints And police ducking game. Ain't got a hoe I claim. I'll play the square way. To keep old Wolf at bay. Ma rolled up her eyes and whispered, sweet man, hush them lies. You're gonna get a mobile with a nighttime glow, some rainbow silvers, and some lowlife hoe. you're gonna get your nose froze with crystal blow I said as I stroked Ma's red hot brow I swear I'm staying now Ma I mean it to the bone please don't leave me alone but kicker she said I ain't no hoe. Don't sugar mouth me, empty mug. I put my face on Ma's bosom and pled. Please, Ma, your doctor said, in me believe or be dead. I smelled death on her breath when she spoke. She sighed. Only Jesus loves this old ugly joke. And Ma said with a bitter smile, You're too late. Sweet Jesus told me it's heaven irate. He and the Father is trying my case. Stood right there, smiling glory in my face. I said, Ma, J.C. ain't for real. <laughs> <I am. laughs> he's just a ghost, plain scam Everywhere he's gonna Jim Crow you up there, Ma. Remember Jim down here, JC? J.C. was unfair. Remember how you slave for the white folks?
2: So that's it's going into part two of Mama Dad. There's the two. It's a two part of it. You can see. It's mm-hmm. like proto mm-hmm. rap, right? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. whereas Rapper's Delight and The Message. They me speed that up. They, 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 they sampled disco tracks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right? And this was doing jazz, which is coming back around. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Kendrick Lamar has a lot of jazz shit on some For of it. For sure, yeah. yeah. So absolutely. you see, it's this fucking 60 year old man. Blues,
1: too. Yeah. Very
2: yeah. Blues. It, it's jazzier <laughs> in the beginning, but definitely <laughs> blues. So at the end it slows down, it. down. And its it is. It's, Blues theme it's what's, sad. The, what's the
3: Kendrick song That it was just like He's just talking about Someone just getting shot I just uh, I, Yeah uh, It's on damn Yeah I just I, 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 Yeah it's, But anyway uh, It's just this little Jazz thing going in the background It's
2: It's 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 pretty haunting Yeah uh, But you, you see where Where it eventually leads to Um. He leaves Betty Um. He leaves her They They break up Okay uh, he, he moves around L.A. with just a few possessions, um, bouncing around, you know, the greater L.A. Basin area. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Uh, he moves in with uh, the home of a friend uh, who's a teacher just off Crenshaw. And, um, you know, he's still trying the writing thing. He tries to write a couple screenplays. He um, he publishes a few more books. Uh, uh, a, a woman named Diane Millman writes to him, another white woman, lives in Silver Lake. <gasps> As a fan, and he he just write back to her, writes back to her, and they kind of have this pen pal relationship and they eventually meet up and they hang out and they smoke weed and watch TV and Kabul. it's super platonic, and then then he moves in with her and they get married. Um and she Diane still loves she she eventually is a, a big source for uh the book Street Poison and the documentary that i team made. She was she had a lot of unpublished uh, manuscripts of his documents that never set the light a light of day until um Issues okay, a big, big help. Um, you know, uh, um, and uh, uh, he would get a lot of letters from guys in, in jail. Cons. Guys? Yeah, guys. Yeah. <laughs> they'd be
1: love letters. No, he would just get letters. <laughs> so from, they'd I be mean, like, they were essentially
2: love letters, but you know. You go,
1: understand me, right?
2: Yeah, and, and
1: <laughs> some sort of inspiration. You were a guy yeah, that was in lockup. Yeah, you and you,
2: you made some and. you this one guy, it, it's really powerful, and he's you know I'm um I, I'm here I, I sold crack, because now crack's the huge epidemic, right? Yeah, you know, this, the it, 80s, it, yeah. by the eighties and and and, um, and he's like this and, and the guy's telling he's telling Robert about how he's like, I know you were a pimp during this time and it was, you did probably, but trust me, nothing is as bad as crack.
3: Right. I well, imagine the, the capitalists instead, instead of just the capitalist fucking people, the government is active. Oh
2: yeah, they got into it. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. You, you think it's capitalism. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the CIA. We're fucking all you. Yeah. Um So, and it, he just, it describes his account of brutality uh, to, to Robert in this letter. And then, you know, he just asks him like, do you have any, I see how how writing helped you, and do you have any tips? Any any tips? Any t- tips? And he writes back this really sweet response to the guy about how getting through prison and and how to get yourself right, and it's it's really sweet um, and thoughtful. Um, Mike Tyson would visit him, and I rem- as I was reading this book, I was like, holy shit, because I read the Mike Tyson but uh, not, not in
1: prison, right? No, no, no.
3: He's oh. he's an
2: old man now, living in L.A.
3: Yeah. At this point. Mike, Tyson's, Mike Tyson, punching is punching people. Mike
2: Tyson is at the height of his fame is the baddest man in the world. And he, he visits Iceberg because he read his book. right? And hey, Iceberg. Hey, Bird, Hey,
3: Bert. <laughs> yeah, that's his Hey, Bert.
2: Hey, Rob. <laughs> and. <laughs> Rob. You know, uh, at this point, Mike Tyson is getting fleeced by his management.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And the people around him. Yeah.
3: Fuck it. He's getting fleeced by Don King right now.
2: And like, they have a right lot now, in common, then. right? They. They were perceived to be uh uh you all oh, boy that, I, dumb, uh yeah. uneducated, criminal thugs, but in reality they were both uh Thoughtful, thoughtful Philosophical I mean voracious hmm. readers, yes. students of philosophy and psychology, yes.
1: incredibly articulate. And 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 very uh And um, masters of their craft.
2: Masters of the craft is the main thing, yeah. Um Tyson remembers her first meeting. He says, "Uh, and I sat down. (laughs) No, wait, 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 wait,
1: wait. Can we just, before we go there, I I just, I have to piss. Can we just break real quick? I got to piss too. And we're back. Hey. Hey. Uh, so now Mike Tyson's going ape shit. So
2: let's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Take the juggle out of Mike. So, you
2: know, he's with this Diane woman, right? Diane Milman. Yes, you know, yes. And they, uh, they, they, iceberg is. Yeah, the iceberg, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And just to some, you know, he's getting older now, right? This is the 80s. He's what, 60 he, something. He's maybe even a little bit older, right? He was born, I think, in 1918. So this is the 80s now. And God, yeah, he's, he's old, old as fuck. Man. Yeah. His kidney's starting to go He's starting to get diabetes And oh, stuff he's, And he just Kind of just stays in his apartment Um You know Which uh, is not And he's got His trip. daughters are are They're in their 20s and, and stuff now Right Uh They're really pretty girls Uh mm-hmm. I'll save a story for the Patreon Nice Um and subscribe to patreon pull for an extra interesting five dollars a, a month extra yeah, show yeah, per i week. mean you, honestly you you well, you're the one who's getting the deal you're the
1: pervert you're pimping
3: us you're yeah. pimping us. i mean ah. we're doing all
2: this for nothing I mean, uh,
1: you get all that knowledge i right. i get i, get, get, like, I don't know no, what no, we would no, no, do no, no, without, no, no, without no. you a bunch of beer <laughs>
3: uh
2: and piss <laughs> <laughs> um so it's the eighties. Uh, yeah, but it's rough. He doesn't have a lot of money. He's an old man. He's sick. Steps his son Robin, who's you know not his son, but he doesn't, right, right, doesn't right. really talk to him. The uh, first that first Robin hit. doesn't really talk to him. Yeah, is yeah. he grossed out by him? Uh, it's just not his dad. You know, it's
1: uh,
2: everything's very complicated when you're iceberg slim, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I bet uh, It is
3: fucked up. <laughs> the it's freaking, you know he, when he came out of the womb, he was his dad, but. So he wasn't his dead. That's tough, man. Yeah. So that's,
2: it's it's that's eighty now it's eighty-eight, and um getting to Tyson, you know, Tyson Tyson's out at an, a club in LA and he meets um an actor who was in a black exploitation movie, and uh, Iceberg comes up in conversation. He says he knows him, and Mike's like, holy shit, I read all of his books. Holy shit, I read all you know. Mm-hmm. And so hey. um <laughs> I already covered the, the, the next cover, day he, he, introduce, he introduces him to to Beck and they have a relationship like anytime he's in town he goes and sees him and stuff and you know he um they they found this common you know um they have kindred spirits you know people think that we're just you know illiterate thugs mm-hmm. and but they're both you know like i said voracious readers and incredibly uh uh Philosophical and just incredible. Mean, yeah, I think yeah, Mike yeah. Tyson is an incredible speaker.
1: Yeah, yeah. He has, uh, yeah, he has a
2: speech impediment. It's list. also,
1: it's also uh, like you said, it's like a, like a tragic folk hero. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes.
2: I mean, at this point in the in the beginning of the tragedy and downward fall, you know, he's yes. at the top of the world yeah. and at, in eighty six, eighty eight, yeah. and this is as he's getting married to Robin Givens, and the Don King stuff is about to pop on. Yeah. and so. As it as it does happen, he go he goes and he talks to Beck quite frequently when he's in LA and Beck, you know, um, Iceberg would sit on his bed in his silk pajamas, just running run, doing rundowns on on Tyson because Tyson was having a lot of woman problems, you know, Robin Givens and then subsequent women and he you know he says um, you're gonna leave here one day, Mike, and have woman problems all your life because you'll just fuck anything. And then you want to give them all full speed ahead. You want to give them all everything you got. You will always have women problems, boy. Mm-hmm. I see you're satisfying. You're into satisfying every woman and you're going to lose it that every time. You let them invade your mind. You're going to always have some kind of connection with them or they're going to have some kind of connection with you because you have to satisfy that feeling. And that's very dangerous. Dangerous to yourself. You put that pressure on yourself. You don't feel good. You don't satisfy the woman. That's a problem with your mother. There's some connection that you had with your mother. The next year, he was accused by his wife of assault. Mm -hmm. And after that, he was convicted of raping Desiree Washington and served three years in prison. Uh, If you read his book... A Total Bullshit Uh, trial. I don't don't want to say anybody lies about being raped or whatever, but it is very obvious through the fuckery that went on uh, in the judicial system that he was um, made an example of. Hmm. Uh, do you hate me, call me a pervert, call me a freak, call me ray Paul. just call me what you want, but I'm standing by Mike Tyson in that one. Um, do you think that's objective? Subjective? Objective. objective. Um, well, there's only uh, two people that really know. Sure. Um, and, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 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 how can I don't know if I can be truly objective, but
1: because mm, you love Mike Tyson so desperately. Well,
2: no, I love rape.
1: No, <laughs> oh, <but laughs>
2: no, I don't. I, I honestly, I was pretty indifferent to Mike Tyson uh, until, I mean, true. I mean, always, you know, uh, he was the baddest man on the planet growing up. Mike Tyson's punch out, all that stuff. But I, I thought it
1: was just like uh,
2: when I read the book, I really. I didn't, didn't like him at
1: all because of his intentionally uh, nasty persona in the rounds, of the fights.
2: And then when and you read the book, you, you see it was all act. It
1: fucking started like... I mean, Mike Tyson based, I would say, in mythology journalism, uh, started long ago. And my first taste of it was
2: in something on VH1. Uh-huh. Him building his own mythology? It
1: was not built by him.
2: You, so I'm, I'm It was I'm, somebody
1: else going like, "Oh, this is Hey, the here's Mike. the life of Mike Tyson, by the way." Right. And like, did you know about all the the pigeons and stuff? And yeah. I was like, "Oh god, I didn't know that at all." Yeah. And yeah. then like, you paint the portrait of his childhood and stuff. But, like you that. know,
2: it also is mythological.
1: It is. It is. It's They're not they
2: don't. Much. I mean, honestly, if anything the journalism yeah. around him did not even come close to the reality. Of no, of um, the m- mythological m- nature of his existence. Well, that's the thing, is
1: that most of the journalism is, is trying to tear him down. Uh, and I don't know if that necessarily means, you know, uh, he, he definitely did not commit this rape, but I would definitely say. He
2: did He did say, I have been absolutely horrible to women. Yeah. Uh, for much of my young adult life. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely never raped this woman.
1: Yeah. I mean no. he
2: is, I've admitted to horrible things that I've done in the movie. Sure.
1: And I, I think you would. Um, authentically. Yeah. But
2: uh, let's get to that on one yeah, of these yeah, profiles. Um yes, yeah. It uh later Mike Tyson would m- miss Iceberg's funeral because he's just in prison Damn Conviction. He says, I wish I would have met Beck before I married Robin Givens. He would have set my ass straight. Um, hmm. It's la- Robin Tiggins. One of the last time. well, that's they say her name. She should have changed it to Robin Tyson because that's exactly what she was doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Robin Tyson. Okay. Wait, what? Robin. Robin- I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
2: You know, um, he never went to any Tyson's fights. Um, yeah, he and did but he was did too old fit. to get him. He was like... I- he was used to vain to not dress up. And he was just too old to dress up. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he was, he, he was really vain. He talked about how, you know, I'm, I'm want to die. I don't want to be old, when I'm, I'm beautiful and I don't want bugs eating my eyes. So Tyson gave him 25 grand to pay for his funeral.
1: Fuck. So you could be like in some sealed thing where bugs would never go? Yeah. You shitting me. Nope. You're saying today real bugs get. Dude, be. that's so dope. Yeah. Ain't no flies on me. Nuh-uh. That's so No, good. I'm not my pants. Dude, that's so funny. Am I
3: messed up? Because I want both to eat my ass? Uh,
1: we'll talk oh, to- about
3: okay. no, 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 no. You're not at all. No, we'll
1: talk about that. Um, and so now this is... Now <laughs> we're getting to... You want me to eat your ass specifically? <laughs> I want to eat my yeah. ass. Yeah. <laughs> eat my <laughs> ass.
2: <laughs> As he... um <laughs>
1: That's what he said, Aaron. Well, I know it's funny. It's if really it, good. But this because you're telling a story for once a well, year. Can I play? Doesn't mean can that I play that role? Can I play the role it? of being a? <laughs> Doesn't mean that- can I be the foil? Man, can I the foil. Man, getting his ass I ate love by it. bugs. I love getting uh, ass
2: ate by bugs. I He's like just bussy fucking doing this to <laughs> and this thing. <laughs> Yes, I, no, I get it. I love it. I, I gotta
1: be. I gotta play. I gotta I'll be the guy who doesn't like it. She's gotta feed the monkey.
2: Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so, the bugs are eating yeah, yeah, yeah. As the late, the eighties give way to the nineties, Beck's getting uh, more uneasy about social this the the, the race. Uh, conflicts, in especially L.A. Sure. And he sees you know um, ca- echoes or at least um, things that kind of mirror the, the Watts rights. Watts, yeah. Was first sure. Watts is now 67, I believe. 65? 65. Yeah. And now we're getting to um, the, you know, he's thinking about the Watts rights and what, well, the aftermath of that yes it had there were some so, there's some reforms that that, that were, took place but you know the watts riots and, and the black Panthers uh, you know they really cracked down after the, the the Watts riots were the first use of um surveillance helicopters creation of the first SWAT team really and then wow. and then COINTELPRO Pro brought down the black uh, Panthers yeah. and so he's, he's going over this in his mind for a while and, and now he's starting to see la go this way and he's like playing it back like, well, after, after the vacuum of power of the Black Panthers. And the, the lack of jobs.
1: Uh, it's a a crime thing.
2: Crips. The Crips yeah. are. And, and, and the Crips had a totally different um, ethos when it came to Black Power. And when when Crippen, ha- Crippen happened, then there was a backlash to that with the Bloods. And so then now you have, like... You know the, the Crip and the Blood conflict in LA, um, which is almost like black on black crime by design.
1: Yeah, but I don't like, think I know the difference too much between their, their ethos, which is also probably a subject for another episode. It's subject
2: for another episode, but it was the Crips kind of, in his opinion, perverted the message that the Black Pan- Black Panthers had. Sure. And um, <sighs> they they emphasize violence as a means to get more power. Yeah. yeah the Black Panthers. Black Panthers had a little bit more of a uh, political benefit. And certainly, the, the being armed and was sur- a thing. Sur- servicing the community. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so they feeding. feeding people. Right. Huh. And, and when Crippen happened, they were more overtly displaying the threat of violence. And then the Bloods, in his opinion, were well, like truly organized as a defensive response to that. Yes. Uh, and then he saw this black-on-black crime event, and he couldn't help but. As my understanding of it, you couldn't help but see that this is almost kind of like the trick baby thing. Uh. Right? This kind of, oh, this is per, This serves them. So, this serves the body's and so on. And then the crack cocaine thing, crack, he has, you know, got the letter from the guy in jail, he sees it, The crack, come to pro, black on black crime, LAPD, beating the shit out of people, and then Rodney King. And if you don't, if you're not familiar with Rodney King, listeners know home, uh, Rodney King was pulled over by um, like six police officers, and you know there's a, a very famous video came out where they beat the ever living shit out of him. He, he was on PCP or whatever, and he, but I mean they really beat the shit out
1: of him. Yeah, well, yeah it was a celebratory. uh Ass whipping. Yeah. If you see the video, it's very clear. It just looks like a fucking rite of passage for a fucking yeah, uh, it, savage psychos. It, it looks like what you think like a
3: clan beating would be because there's no reason for them to continue doing it and yeah. yet they
2: keep. And this was doing. also around the time the Rampart scandal, Daryl Gates. I mean, just L.A. was really not good at this time uh, especially if you were a black man, right? And,
1: and it, but then every it was, time this shit starts. Whether it's cell phones or a guy on a tree with a fucking a no, VHS video camera, is probably what Rodney King was—a guy with like an old school mm-hmm. like slam it yeah. in. And, and that was just a thing. guy at a gas station that was across the street that was and, like, "What the fuck and is really, going on?" And really being like, "Okay, well if this if we got this this one time, what did we miss? What are we missing? How many times did this happen last night and the night before that yeah. and the night
2: before that?" So in the last interview that he gives. He says, he puts the blame on on the new right, right? He says that um, our dear friend Reagan, he's the one who turned this flood tide of not caring, and he's responsible, in my opinion, for the reactivation of overt racism to the extent and degree that it now flourishes. You can replace Reagan with whatever name you think is relevant now. No, but he's right. Reagan, from what I can understand, he was just a yes man for powerful corporate interests. The country really went backward, man. And you know for a fact... Any rational person knows that there's no way that the so-called gang culture could have become what it is today, if just the minimal opportunity that existed prior to Reagan's administration had been enforced. And so, there's all the social unrest, black on the crime. Uh, he's got this album, Reflections, and he doesn't know it at the time. Rodney King just happened to. There's a. Um, there's a man who, who was at, at Crenshaw High School a few years before. He's from New Jersey, but uh, his name is Trice, Tracy Mara, And he went to Crenshaw High School, hung out with the Cripset. And he was reading the, the work of Beck and Donald Goines, also a prominent black writer. And he's uh, inspired by Beck. And he's familiar with the. Uh, he really likes the toasts that Icebergs would do. He would yeah. write his own in the style yeah. of iceberg and Tracy was also sometimes called T by his friends. <laughs> and they would say, give us that iced tea. Yeah. And so, gangster rap starts with iced tea. Drops the coldest rap. Uh, O'Shea Jackson, also another LA native,
3: mm-hmm. also inspired <laughs> by
2: Beck. And right at the gang war happening in Los Angeles, yeah, you know, trips and blood. O'Shea Jackson would go on to become Ice Cube. Ice from iceberg Slump. And it's the same rhyming couplet thing. Fuck the police, coming straight from the ground. Got it back number, like just the same style but with yeah. different beats behind it faster you know and what? also just the
1: writing though too it's like oh shit know, it was definitely the shit they had you know and they showed it very well in this Jared Compton movie too it's just that easily at the heart of it all uh, despite, See, despite around the, you despite everything that happens Ice Cube is the poet yeah yep. he's the poet yep. and and he is not uh, the gangster no, no as easy he is but he is the one writing what he sees on a daily basis in in his locale.
2: So, um, so all this shit's happening all around the same time. He's still, he's got some stuff he's still writing. Rodney thinking Rodney King thing happens. His diabetes is acting up. Um, he goes to the hospital. He's got gangrene in his foot. Mm, god damn it. Because he a, picked at a sword and didn't tell Oh, it. dude. They tell him they want to amputate it. Yeah. He says, I'm a pretty motherfucker. I need to think about it. <laughs> the Rodney King verdict comes out. Riots, April 1992. Next day, he eats a hamburger. No. Goes into cardiac arrest. Hamburgers. Goes into cardiac arrest. Yeah. Hamburgers what he ate with yeah. Betty for the
1: first yeah. time. Uh, Betty May. Shoot. Mm-hmm. Shoot.
2: Night two of the riots, he suffers cardiac arrest and passes away on April 30th, 1992. Because of the riots, his body can't leave the hospital for five days. Oh, God. May 9th, 1992. And you kept them on ice, right? <laughs> They did. It's poetic in a weird they way. They kept them on ice. Did they? No. I'm sure yeah, they actually did. They must have.
3: Refrigerated. Yeah, there's you no... Know. They know. Yeah, that's not... A, a good morgue isn't like, yeah, hey, we'll let them just see what happens. Um, the bugs. Saturday, May 9th,
2: 1992, his funeral was held at the Angeles Crenshaw Chapel. Over 100 people filled the church, including football group. Jim Brown and actor Leon Isaac Kennedy, who was the one who introduced Tyson to him. No shit. Uh, Betty showed up. Give her final respects, Diane, their children. Um, the mourners played Mama Det over the loudspeakers so they could all hear his voice one last time. Mama wow. Dad is a yeah. Uh When the service is over, they went to Forest Lawn in Glendale. Hey! And uh, that's everything was paid for by Mike Tyson. Wow. It, his epitaph was Funeral thaw on me, man." <laughs> hey, bud. <boy. laughs> ninth grave and word. <inward. laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he, he was inlaid to ground. In, uh, he was laid to rest in an above-ground mausoleum. Ooh, cool. that's it. Um, Let's fly. And the epitaph on his gravestone was "Iceberg Slim, Truth, still shining down."
3: Nice. Um, damn.
2: That's hell of a fuck. The life. Of Iceberg Slim, aka Robert Moppins, aka Robert Beck, aka Slim Lancaster, aka. Well,
1: now, Aaron, why'd you use this man besides the ritual uh, dehumanization of women? <laughs> what a question. <laughs> it's like Terry Gross over here.
2: What? I mean, I love a good redemption story.
1: The last act is.
2: The act, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, all, it's all it is. And, and the greater the disparity between start and finish is, is really wonderful to me. I love ball and uh, it, you know, this, it's uh, it, it's somebody who had an indelible mark on not just black culture but American culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, every everyone everything points back to this guy. And it's such a the book pimp especially is such a time capsule of a, of a world that doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time it came out in the '60s, that world had already been gone. It was already 20 years past, or yeah. well, 15 years past. Like yeah. that whole world of the Midwest black pimp in in black meccas like that were was already gone. And I was it's I just know. a peek in a different world, and
1: I think that black or uh, like black culture mm-hmm. to people like us too, just like. Always, this thing that's like beyond and, and sort of mythologized by white men. Of course, yes. And then when you get a, the glimpse through something like the autobiography of Malcolm X mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or Iceberg Slim or something like that, and then you go like, God, but you don't. See, it's so, it's really a, very red pill. Yeah, it really is.
2: Yeah, it is it's in a way where you go like, and it's, uh, that's not to uh, say that I ever thought it was glamorous, but you know, at some no, when you no. even even it's, just, it's just just saying, appreciate, well, you can appreciate let's say you appreciate a fine work of art or what but you still cannot understand what went into it until you find out absolutely not um so it's even even if even if i don't fetishize it i still um i'm still you know blown away by everything that it took well i think a lot yeah
1: and a lot of people like that are creating those pieces of art in those times are also saying Hey, yes, do go on this journey in my skin. Yeah. Please do step into my shoes. And
2: hopefully, you'll learn hey. what I did without having to go through it. Yes, and
1: also you will still remember that you are a white person that never would have to, mm-hmm. or will ever have to.
2: Right.
1: You know, but but still do it, and realize like, hey, this wasn't fun or cool or desired.
2: Yeah, because he or you know, anything, he was somebody that, as as he says in the book many times, you know he. He just lo- he fetishized it in the beginning. Yeah. He fetishized the pimp and the hustle world because yeah. he saw the guys coming into his mom's shop. And then it's kind of also this Sawyer thing in Lost, where it's like, oh, you're the guy that ruined my mom's life and now I'm going to be just like you. And so it, uh, he after so many warning signs from him, you don't want this life, kid. Get out of here. Go on, D- Dickie. You don't want no part of this. Yeah. Dewey, whatever. Hey, hey. Yeah. He still goes for it's it. It's not addictive. It's, he still goes for it, yeah. and he learns the hard way that he never should have. And um, he, he, after all that, he takes what he learned in all the different schools and books uh, and, and turns it into, uh, he brings back something for everybody else to learn from. And in doing so, left a, an incredible mark on, on well, not black, only pop that, culture. Uh, and,
1: yes, but also, seriously, on black culture. Without a doubt forever
2: because nobody had ever talked nobody like you know he, he, james baldwin did, there's what, things you don't want to talk about you don't want to talk about right because you, I james think, somebody like james ball he has to he has to be who he is so that white and society at large will take him serious but not only that james baldwin himself
1: might have very well existed you know uh, scholastically uh, on on the benefit of somebody that was doing something as nefarious as pimping. Of somebody being like, hey, that's a smart kid from our community. Mm-hmm. This is the only way we can get money. You know, is selling drugs or, you know, exploiting our own people. And then we will just push this guy. And it's like, you don't have those guys without these people that have to make these very ugly, gross <clears throat> sacrifices. I, 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 um,
3: with Baldwin, I don't know if it's exactly that. I think mean, he was, uh, he became a white uh, school teacher who was very influential with him and... You grew up in a, a kind of lower middle class yes i'm not saying
1: specifically but, but but i'm I, saying I, 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 with I, I, people that get out yeah. a lot of times it's at the benefit of somebody that's going like you know in the in the same way as this and and i, and I mean this in the exact same way there's all of the jewish families in new york that were steeped in organized murderous crime mm-hmm. and then they just go like we don't talk about that anymore Right. and Talking about it doesn't solve it. No, but you move on up. They go like, hey, one generation just had to suck dick for a minute. Well, that's the and. Other. and,
2: and, and what the, are you saying, the, saying about uh, eyes for slim then. I don't understand.
1: I'm saying that there's probably people that came out of the black experience that got uh, some kind of a leg
2: up. And didn't want to talk about
1: no. that life anymore? Maybe they did want to talk about it, but I'm just saying that a lot of times people... That are forced into horrible conditions by the circumstances. Super- yeah, which is what circumstances. Yes, they have to get pushed ahead by people that are um pretty nefarious. Right.
2: I think with I think in his specific case, and he says it in there, all the pimps I knew were dead. Yeah. By thirty or yeah. drunk, like I think he was a special case. Yeah. Uh, and timing, and then the, the end of that lifestyle is a whole. But it's an example,
1: what I'm saying is, it's an example of something that is shown so well in Moonlight. Which is? <laughs> Which is the old dealer going like, ah, you're a good kid, I'll take care of you, blah, right. blah. But right. also, I am still what I am. Right. You know? Well, it, it, sounds it doesn't like mean it I'm a monster. It. it sounds
3: like what Iceberg was doing was was giving humanity to uh, a thing that had been... Subscribed, uh, prescribed, believed to be unhuman. He was descri- he was putting a human face right. on a thing that people would be like, "I don't even know how anybody would ever do that." And right. then he's like, "Well, well the, here's how—it's how. it's the easiest thing in the world." It's one of the few things that
2: will allow us to do. Yes, especially yeah. when you get to Cleveland and stuff like that. But um, not only
1: that is that the, the yeah the when you say the human face on it is is not the day to day pimping. And the human the, face is the not human, the devil that it, you think it is. But the human face on it is this slow moral yeah. slide to be and able. That's, to, it, that's how you can do it. Start doing. That's it. how they make
3: you a soldier that can kill. Right? He, slow he, he had to break slide. himself down.
2: Right? Like he, and was, and he had like, to break I, himself out. He had to break himself down to the game and then break himself out of it. Right? He's like, I did not beat this shit. I don't know. Do had to eventually. I had to do cocaine so that, like, I could, you know. He really had to condition himself in so many ways to do these things, um, yeah. And then and then get out. I mean, he it seemed like he was really aching to get out of it because once he said no, he never did it again. You know, like he really a fucking yeah. Cold turkey. It.
3: I, I I think I think that uh,
2: as far as we know. Again, to be fair, he does pimp the reader a little bit in "Pimp" and and Justin um, Gifford, the author of the biography, does he does. Kind of uh, do a good job of showing where.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. And there's the thing, too, you know, where you go, know, like, all right, well, this person, admits fault here. So they could never be pimping me. And it's like, he just told you that's exactly how they pimp them all the time. Yeah. But, you know. No, I, I, but also, no, I, I f- do think there is enough, like, admittance of fault that uh, he really doesn't sound like he totally knows what he's doing. Yeah. Morally well it's not you know uh mitt romney writing no apologies <laughs> right. uh, mitt romney. i always knew what was right you Mitt know? Romney's a soft man but you know what i'm saying as yeah, far as I mean, I... the the uh yeah. the, the republican american novel which is like I always had this vision, and I followed it the whole way through. And then you read, I, like the I, dog. I
2: was war, fucking working by flying by the seat of my pants. Uh, yeah, fucking yeah. girls, in exactly, for money. exactly.
3: And I, I, I had no help at all. He never had that my a dad settled. owned a sports stadium.
2: Sorry. Yeah, there was just there was just, you you as you read it, you really get the the. You get a sense of the. Drift nature of his existence,
3: yes. Well, he's, he's part of a structure, and also luck of no structure. Well, he's part of the structure of, of, of work, and what he did is he worked. He, like right. he could have been a dock worker, he could have grown up in a family that were dock workers, right? And, and he would have been a great dock worker,
2: right? But what, but to your point, I'm saying the structure that he was in was structureless, yes, yes. and that is, that is a structure, for sure, but I mean, it was. As you read it, it's like, oh my god, it's just like bouncing from hotel to, you know, renting, you live in hotel rooms and, you know.
3: The structure was hotel rooms. It was different no, hotel it's rooms. It's
2: just so... Um,
3: but but so, so there's... I'm sorry, finish that. Round, finish yeah, that no, no, no. It was so what? Uh,
2: adrift is the word that comes to mind. Yeah, just yeah. float, just kind of, just, you know, not rudderless, but you are, f- f- you know, a... Uh, you get a bag in American people. It's the, the part of the, the book, book that exactly makes you feel tricks. like, all
1: right, what do we do now? So it, but if it, you're reading along with it on a daily basis, you're like, you're filled with anxiety. I mean, there's
2: countless times in his life when it's, I have zero money and I need to go to a bar and find a woman to have sex for me. Not with me, before me. Before me. And I need to somehow convince her that I am God. Like, it's just this... He was a magician. He was a salesperson. He, he was an inner. It was all these things that he said in his prison vial, but in not the way that he meant it. Um, it's just, and it's, I don't, I don't want to envy it or, or want to, uh, you know, um, paint it in a better picture than it is, but it's just this. know, but also. Literally, okay, all I have is my skull, and I'm using it to trick my way into some. Existed. Well, the so thing—the thing is, too, mind-boggling.
1: The thing is, too, is that we don't really think about it enough. As uh, we don't think from our pussies, is what I would say. I, I mean, always think from. I this. don't. I don't think we did. I think for years. And part of it is that you—you you wouldn't know how to. It it's sucks. too it, complex it for you. Like shit, you don't understand it. Um, but I would say, if you're looking at it from the woman's perspective, um, we've been we've been uh, characterizing this whole time as as being duped in some kind of way. And I would say, you know, from the new woman in the bar that he needs to go find to have sex for him, as you say, you might be thinking, like, I'm part of, like, this, like, huge scam conspiracy we're, thing. Yeah, we're scamming. like, Like, we, we are, like, I am not a... I'm not the one getting duped. It's right. this guy that just fucked Sh- me. We're,
2: we're, we we're fucking du- him. We're fucking him. Like, we're and, duping and, and, and him. And she may be... Also, playing—I mean, oftentimes playing the pimp too, not giving him all the money. Of course. Ask for a hundred, take ten. Well, I ask for hundred and fifty. I'll tell you, I took ten, right? Yeah. I mean, it, they're subjecting yourself to exploitation and beatings is not fun, but there is some agency that some of these women have, or at least as much agency as they could have. Um, yeah. Uh, and so there is there is power there, relative. But even, to the situation, if, even if you're
1: a total shill. And and falling for his shit every time, and you know, impervious to lying to him. I think part of you would think like, "Oh no, this guy, this is my real boyfriend. I fool this other guy right. into thinking he's my right. guy." For the no- yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it still feels like some kind of power. Yeah. it still feels interesting.
2: You gotta take what you. Can get.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: Thank you for listening to the very long two-parter. Yes, it was, nice really it was really fun. It was really fun. was just so much. I mean. I'm listening to another book. I'm listening to Trick Baby right now. It's so good. All, it's just a... Is it... When you said, I got to write for uneducated blacks and whites and it's fifth grade reading, it's not fifth grade reading level, but it is... It's not pop reading. Yeah. It's, well, fun, well,
1: it's well, fun to. It's, it's, it's fun. accessible.
3: I, I mean, so so accessible the, the,
1: is what Noam Chomsky also tries to do. Mm-hmm. By the way, yeah. If you if you really want to reach everybody, you, accessible. You, you you deliberately
0: stop fifth grade
3: reading level. Well, so there's, there's 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 two things that I, I want to uh, touch on. Uh, one is that it, it, his writing reminds me of like a Charles Williford, which is a great pulp writer. I mean, he's he, he, Slim is basically a pulp novelist. Yeah, I was gonna say Bukowski. Uh, yeah, but but uh, and and, I, and there's a place for that. There's no. It only helps. There's no reason for there only to to be a Baldwin and not a Black Pulp, right? There's there there should be a space for everybody in every one of those things. But the other thing that I find really fascinating is, um, what a difference you you meet someone who's sixty and. The transformation they made in their life from 30 to 60 is insane mm-hmm. and when you when you meet someone who's 29 or 30 they think they have an idea of what everything is mm-hmm. and in their world it is correct
2: in that moment
3: but the difference it's easy to forget that 60 is another, lot, 30, another years. 30 yeah. It's another 30 and, and not
2: only are you changing, right? Every, even years. biologically, even your testosterone, all that stuff. The world is changing. Yeah, right? and the world is changing faster than you're changing. Exactly, and so you are struggling to keep up. You're fighting last. You're fighting the, the last war's battle. Yeah, yeah. And so you're struggling to keep up, and if you can just tread water, you, you're you going to do better than most anybody. And uh, just this whole book feels like treading water. Yeah. Nearly just whoosh.
3: there was a brief moment where he is on top of what the cultural mm-hmm. thing is and
2: then it changes yeah. as soon and, as and, he figures the game out the game changes
3: and then he's and when he gets out of jail that last time he's just swimming to yeah. the front and
2: it's you know the thing about icebergs <laughs> they're mostly underwater You <laughs> only see the tip that's right and, Peter. and the
1: tip is all we need
2: you like that metaphor ladies and gentlemen you can get more metaphors like that
1: on patreon more metaphors like that five (laughs) dollars and yeah and the cancer has been fatified should we call it yeah no 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 No, let's (laughs) keep going Uh, let's let's go back into uh Uh, vanilla ice and his vanilla iceberg now I realize he oh was. Oh my all, God! Was that part of it? I don't know. I'm at Priso. I'm Yeah, we'll do it all again. Uh, uh, my name is John Fahey. I want to say goodnight. I love you.
2: I love you too. Uh, thank you for letting these three white guys talk about uh, black culture in America and, <laughs> in a genuine way. Yeah, uh, and, throw a on uh, to the and, board. And if we're you know totally off base, forgive us and welcome comments. But I really enjoyed uh, both books that I read. and um, thank you for listening yeah bye episode
3: thank Good you night, everybody we love you. Yeah. <laughs> <A> <clears throat> a podcast network.